tonight on the Midnight Train Podcast. We dive deep into the Manhattan Project. What is it about? Does it have to do with a secret underground fight club in New York? Did the Watchmen really prevent atomic bomb from going off? So sit back, grab your drink, turn the volume to 11 and... Warning. We say things like, Wikipedia stole my mom's bike? Uncle Rick is a lying asshole. Southbound Susan saved serious cash by switching to Geico, and Fuckhead McGee is not your friend. Listener discretion is advised. All aboard. Hello, passengers, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 18 of the Midnight Train Podcast, where we bring the dark to light. What's that mean? Well, you guys know what that means. We make fun of and joke about creepy shit while bringing you as much information as possible on each topic. I am your host, the conductor of the cryptic Jonathan Sayer, and with me is my co-host, the man who once bought a vowel and called Pat Sajak a bitch. It's Jeff Butchko. Jeff Butchko. It's a true story. I was on Wheel of Fortune, and I knew exactly what the puzzle was, and it came to my turn. And he's like, do you want to solve it? And I said, you know what, Pat? You a bitch. Wow. Yeah, that's that's what happened. I, I, by the way, speaking of, I do have to apologize to you about something. Oh, boy. Uh, a couple episodes ago, um, it was obviously just a complete slip and a screw up me uh, with me because my mouth doesn't like to work. But I called you Jeff Bitchko. <laughs> I do. That's did you not catch that? You're like probably the 40,000th person that has done that. To it me. was probably like the third. Uh, it was about three, maybe two or three episodes ago. And it, it was like Jeff Bitchko. <laughs> so <laughs> it's the funny thing about it is that it's the only episode. One of the only ones that my wife has actually listened to. All right. She's afraid we're going to talk about boobies every time. So and and. She just doesn't like listening to it because she's afraid of that. Right. Anyway, so we're laying in bed and she's like, yeah, let's listen to it. And all of a sudden it's Jeff Bitchko. She's like, did you just call him Bitchko? <laughs> I was like, I know, I know. I'm such an asshole. I didn't mean to do that. So in high school, they used to, because I, I guess it's a hard name to pronounce apparently. And in high school, they used to call me Chucho. Chucho. Yeah. They'd be like, hey, Chucho. I'm like, I'm not fucking Mexican. <laughs> no like, offense, Davey. Yeah, I know. So I'm like, yeah, we, we love you. I have no doubt. <laughs> and with us. Of course, is the purveyor of the paranormal and the guy who had a special, 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 special message to our Star Wars fans. Um, Mr. Moody, how are you, my friend? <laughs> Did you see how he lined it up, though? If you can, okay, you guys can't see, you can only hear. Right, right, right. So Moody is out in control yeah. of the board. And he just kind of looked at us and he did one of those little gunslinger things and just kind of like in matrix slow motion, like, and just stared at us and pushed the button. And that's right. He did. How are you today, buddy? I'm good. How are you? Uh, you know, I'm splendiferous. Super. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's good to see you guys. We are actually at, uh, we're back at my house again. Uh, we're in the, uh, the basement here. And so if things sound a little bit weird, we do apologize. Uh, we're going to get all the bugs out. If things go crazy, it's cause we're in the EMP lair. Yeah, it is the, the house that the EMP built. <laughs> so we're right next to John and his wife's workout section. And I told him we should do a stress test on each of us <laughs> because there's a treadmill right here. We could put the mic right up to it oh, and just man. like put it on high. That <laughs> no, that, that, that would be the way I die. That, that would be <laughs> it. Right. on the podcast. Yeah. On the podcast. Yeah. Go. You'd hear three of us or at least two of us having heart attacks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah we're not in the best shape. <laughs> you know, I mean, round is a shape just so everyone is aware of that. True. So, okay. You beautiful bunch of dark passengers. You know that we're just three goofballs and assholes that love history and can't get enough of the mysterious. We want you all to know how much it means to us that you're listening to this podcast. 
at this very moment. Your reviews and support really do make all the hard work worthwhile. And saying that, please stop over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now and give us a five-star review. You can say whatever you want. Surprise us. Doesn't matter. Say Moody's beard is awesome. Something. Whatever. It's pretty good. It is pretty awesome. You can also find us on uh, Spotify by typing the Midnight Train Podcast in their search bar and click the follow button. You'll then get each episode as they are released. And, uh, of course, as we always do, it's, uh, you know, let's turn down the lights, adjust our seats, grab a drink. But uh, before we get spooky, here's a toast to all of you. Spiked out, I could trip a referee. Tell by my attitude that I most definitely leave from. It's a little bit of a uh, J Dog. You know what I think is amazing? Uh huh, uh huh. Baby. <laughs> you know what I think is amazing is that uh, you realize that pretty much all the stuff didn't happen in New York. I know. Right? Okay. But, so there was only a couple <laughs> things to pick from, from Manhattan. Yeah. And it was yeah. all old timey stuff. And it was like, you know, like, the, welcome to Manhattan. But no, no, no. It was, it was like, <laughs> it was aggressive. Like <laughs> it was aggressive to the ladies. So there was a guy with like the top hat and the cane. It was, it had to been like, I don't know, thirties, forties. And it's all about a song about Manhattan, but then she starts saying, he's like, now shut up, see, go do the dishes. And he's like, ah, bah, Manhattan. I'm like, yeah, that won't be good. I was thinking of songs that you might be able to put on. And like uh, all the ones that I came up with were like, probably would have been extremely offensive. Yeah. You know, oh, Plus, I, wanted to be, I wanted to be young and hip with the kids, right? Hip hop and happening. I was, so, I was thinking you could do like a little bit Jay-Z Alicia Keys for y'all. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like some Jay Zizzle. H to the Izzo, B to the Izzy. Get that dirt off your shoulder. <laughs> you gotta get, get that, I got that dirt off your shoulder. Problems, but a bitch ain't one. Hit me. Okay, we're done. Sorry. I'm gonna go home now. <laughs> it's a hard night life for, for us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so listen. We are talking about, you know, the Manhattan Project. And this week we delve into a topic that's not necessarily our normal dark, creepy, conspiracy ridden, horror packed, ghost conjuring, alien abducting, nut job kind of thing. Or is it? Maybe. Nevertheless, what we're discussing led to many horrific things that changed our world in a literal flash. Today we are discussing, like I said, the Manhattan Project. And no, it does not involve the Ninja Turtles, Central Park, Perk, <laughs> or an annoying neighbor named Newman. Newman. That's, guys don't, a, that's a stretch of a reference. If you guys don't Seinfeld. know that reference, yeah, that's, that's Seinfeld, by the way. These pretzels are making me thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It also has nothing to do with the alcoholic beverage, which is uh, quite delicious, uh, although I do prefer an old-fashioned muddled. I do like it muddled. We here at the Midnight Train want to assume you all know what the Manhattan Project actually is, even if you're not a listener from the United States. But as a recap, well, here we go, fellas. So the Manhattan Project was the code name for the American-led effort to develop a functional atomic weapon during World War II. The controversial creation and eventual use of the atomic bomb engaged some of the world's leading scientific minds, as well as the U.S. military. And most of the work was done in Los Alamos, New Mexico, not the borough of New York City for which it was originally named. The Manhattan Project was started in response to fears that German scientists had been working on a weapon using nuclear technology since the 1930s. Those bastards. And some weird mustache-having German fucknut named Adolf Hitler was prepared to use it. Maybe you know, you've heard of him. You know how bad 
you have to be to fucking ruin a mustache for everybody? Hey, dude, you're you you fucked up an entire like facial. How, seriously, like okay, how, so how fucking like how much have did you have to fuck up to where nobody can ever wear that mustache style again? Without well, being, well, Charlie Chaplin had the exact same. He mustache. was first. He was before. Yeah, Chaplin had his first. Before. So was Hitler trying to mimic or be like Charlie Chaplin? They, he actually did say that he did do that because he was a fan of Chaplin's uh, movies. I guess. Well, there you go. That's All right. So well, Charlie Chaplin, regardless, is the asshole that ruined the mustache. No, Charlie Chaplin was an American treasure. <laughs> oh. <laughs> But Star Wars movies are not. You fuck Star Wars and their fans. Oh, you want to get into this again? No, I'll do no, it. no, 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 no. Say what? Okay, you should explain All the right. Patreon. Okay, so fuck. the we have started a Patreon page, and what that means is that you guys can actually go in and get bonus content and bonus. You get um, rarity shirts, uh, rarity uh, like things that you can't get anywhere else. Truthfully, not just the bonus train like on our whatever. This is like content that yes, you pay for. But it you it's it's one of those things that we're not begging for money. You guys don't have to go do it. It's um the tier system starts at five bucks and then moves up, but you get a lot of cool shit with it. There's an amazing candy remix. And there's you a, definitely want there to do that. There's a remix naked of candy. Pictures of Jeff. Naked pictures of Jeff. If you hit that right tier. But yeah. I don't know yeah, if yeah. people want to do that. It's two dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so if you just type in your email address, we'll send you naked pictures. We'll, we'll right. have a promo code around Christmas too for fifty cents. Right. <laughs> So we are going to be doing that, and uh, the Patreon page should be launched uh, here within the next few weeks. Uh, I just want to make sure it's perfect, and it's exactly what you guys, you listeners out there, deserve, because we want you to have an amazing experience with us. Things cost a lot of money, and we've noticed that we put a lot of time and effort into this stuff, and it does cost money, and we're not begging. Listen, we do this because we love it, but if you guys can help out, then awesome. If not, keep listening to the regular episodes. And, and just be a part of what we're doing. Here's what I would say. If you're a true fan and you've been a true fan for a long time, the Patreon page is right up your alley because there's a lot of stuff on there that you're not quite getting here that you will get there right. to complete the circle and it's gonna of be, life. It's going to be continuous oh, stuff. Eat the baba be baba. And so that's the Lion King scatty. Baba baba be Mufasa. I will call him Simba. <laughs> so anyway, that was the Manhattan Project. There you have it, folks. Uh, thanks. Uh, that's our show for today. And um, um, yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just, just, just kidding. Just, just I kidding. I would like to say psych for that one. Uh, do people even say psych anymore? I don't know, but that would have been so amazing if we did just cut it right then and there. <laughs> just be done. Could you imagine like people like, oh just, yeah, the new episode's out. And like, they get that far like, wait, what? We should have cut it. We should have cut it and put like five minutes of dead air. Oh just, my God, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> that is awesome. People would be like, what the fuck was yeah. that? Yeah. Dude, Chainsaw would be calling me at like 6.30. <laughs> like, what in the fuck, dude? The fuck did you guys do? Yeah. Remember dude, when we I announced- can't leave you guys alone, can I? Remember when we announced we were going to start posting early for like the morning travelers to work? Yeah. You know, at six in the morning. And the one time it like it messed up and we didn't get it on time. Yeah. And Chainsaw was blowing dude, us up. I dude, was, like, where's my episode? Yeah. I was at work and I, because uh, I get to work at like six, six thirty. Yeah. And I saw him like post something at like six forty five. I'm like, what the? I'm like, dude. But there's a lot of morning commuters. And that's why, you know, we came up with that idea so we could. Yeah, wake up early. The masses. Wake up early. Gotta get that morning drive audience. Yay, yay. Woke up quick at about noon. Just thought that I had to be in Cleveland (laughs) soon. You like that? Are we gonna. What's that from? Actually, do the episode? Do the episode? Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, all right. All right, so in 1939, Franklin D. Roosevelt started the Advisory Committee on Uranium in response to reports that German scientists working for Adolf Hitler, (laughs) Franklin Delano 
Roosevelt. Is it Delanor? No, it's Delano. 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 Yeah. What the hell kind of name is Delano? What the hell kind of name is Franklin? Nuganooch. What kind of name is freaking Chuchko or what they called you? Chucho. <laughs> Chucho. Hey, Chucho. You want to go skateboarding after school, Chucho? <laughs> wait, like, wait, my mom's like, what? What, what? Why are they calling you that? I'm like, what? Like, what school did you go to? They had an accent like that. <laughs> Avon. <laughs> hey, hey, Chucho. Hey, Chucho. You want to do some BMX, Chucho? Hey, you got shocks and pegs on your BMX bike? I'm at Mongoose, Chucho. Derail. I'm like, I ain't got no shocks and pegs on my bike. That's what we need. for uh, Moody has also taken over the board, too. And uh, which we, we definitely need like a train accident happening in the yeah, background. <laughs> I was just going to suggest that. We got to figure that out. All right. So they were talking about Adolf Hitler He's working on nuclear weapons. And these reports uh, were from Leo Zillard and um, none other than Albert Einstein, the one and only Albert Einstein. They sent communication to Roosevelt, letting him know that uh, German scientists Otto Hahn and Fritz Strassmann. Had, Fritz. Fritz. I actually had a dog named Fritz. Sort of guy. I had a little dog. He was a, he was a wiener dog. His name is Fritz. See, that reminds me of Drew Scalero, who used to call us that all the time. Hey, what's up, Fritz? Yeah. yeah. Hey, Fritz. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, they had inadvertently discovered nuclear fission and that Germany may attempt to build an atomic bomb. This is all kinds of bad news. If, if Germany was the first one to actually get this thing rolling. Like, no, it's bad when Einstein's sending you letters. Right. If Einstein's like, listen, <laughs> this is going to be very bad for everyone. When did, when did he turn into a Middle Eastern man? I don't know. I started off one thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What 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 was he? What? And you're talking about me being yeah, yeah, Spanish? Yeah, yeah. What was his uh, ethnicity? He was German, wasn't he? He's German. Yeah. yeah. So he, he talked like this to people. I, Einstein is definitely not like an Indian name. <laughs> yeah, I are right. Anyway. <laughs> so was he Jewish? Einstein? I don't fucking know. Oh, well, maybe we should figure Probably. it out. <laughs> anyway. The committee was tasked with exploring uranium's potential as a weapon. Based on the findings of the committee, the government began funding research at Columbia University. University. That's almost like university, but except drunk. Yes. Right. So at Columbia University by Enrico Fermi and Leo Zillard, uh, born in Budapest, who had fled to London from Germany in 1933 to escape Nazi persecution the same year Hitler the dickhead became Chancellor of Germany. Just Chancellor. You know what a title. I am Chancellor of Germany. I am the Chancellor. <laughs> that means I'm the leader because like, I am Chancellor. Do you like my mustache? <laughs> I am have, you, hey, have you met us yet? I mean, do you not know us? Look at my feet. I love it. I'm sure I'm just, the fans are oh, laughing their ass so, off right now. Like, we get it. Do you have laser holes in me? I'm the Chancellor. Oh, you all announced me as the chancellor. <laughs> he, he muted. You can still hear me. I'm the chancellor. You can still hear me in the background because I'm the chancellor. I am the chancellor. It's just a dumb title. Like, yeah, 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 why yeah. don't you say you're the king or the president or whatever? But because he's the chancellor. So now we're gonna get Moody a T-shirt that says I'm the chancellor, <laughs> and it's gonna say, "Do you like my mustache? My mustache." <laughs> Is it the Chancellor mustache? Jesus Christ. All right. So the research was focused on radioactive isotope separation, also known as uranium enrichment and also on nuclear chain reactions. In 1940, the Advisory Committee on Uranium was changed to the National Defense Research Committee. In 1941, it was changed one more time to the Office of Scientific Research and Development, the OSRD. And later that year, it was changed to the Fissionable 
United Committee on Kinetic Yttrium and Uranium Offices or the F-U-C-K-Y-O-U. Oh. <laughs> and of course, that last one was nonsense. Uh, I was just making sure you guys were paying attention over there. And uh, Oh, we uh, caught it. Okay. <laughs> so the OSRD, led by Vannevar Bush, no relation to President Bush. Bush. Yeah. And Dude. Fermi... <laughs> <laughs> and Fermi was added to uh, its Why? list of members. <laughs> we had to, you Jesus can't Christ. just leave it. We had to. Just, we had to. Okay, you, you okay. guys good? Yeah, we're good. Good. Okay. We're this, is good this is gonna be a long one. Yeah, it's gonna be a long one. Yeah. It's gonna be a long one. So, um, research had gone relatively slow until this year when the MAUD, essentially the British version of the OSRD, issued a report affirming that an atomic bomb was possible and urging cooperation from the United States. Now, for those in the know, 1941 was also the same year of the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor. The United States subsequently entered World War II and sided with Great Britain, France, and Russia. You know, Russia, hey, come come with us. We do it. You'll know. Hey, you want to come fighting with Yuri? Hey, you like this? Tell huh? me, Russia, do you have a <laughs> chancellor? My name is not chancellor. It's mustache. <laughs> 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 you look right at Moody when you did that too. <laughs> but you got to put your finger there when yeah, you do yeah. it too. Do you like my mustache? <laughs> Moody, are you mad right now? No, no. <laughs> so anyway, they joined up to fight against the Germans in Europe and the Japanese in the Pacific Theater. For those not in the know, now you know, you educated motherfuckers. Okay, recap, because we derailed a lot there. <laughs> so timeline. Okay, really? real I'm fast. A, I'm timeline. That Hold on. I'm going to recap it real quick for All you. Right. Ready? Word was that Germany was getting getting ready to make an atom bomb because they figured out how to uh, figured out how to <laughs> wait hold on because they figured out how to get them them boys over there in Germany they figured out how to do fusion and they was gonna have atom bombs blowing up all over the damn place so instead what happened was is they over in England and Albert Einstein they told us over here hey y'all better make one first and so that's where we're at right right now perfect so that's real real perfect. quick briefly though I just want to say that. Uh, Doing doing the research for this episode was was painful, only because of the amount of crap that was out there. Uh, you had to sift did, for the gold. Dude, it was it was rough. So I, I I used like five or more like seven or eight different sites, and I uh, I cross referenced some shit on Wikipedia. And I actually wanted to to mention that this is one of the very few times that I've used Wikipedia, and it's actually been like fucking spot on. Oh, really? That's awesome. Yeah. There were some things in here that I took from there that I trip like triple fucking checked, and uh, that well led you me, have to Wikipedia and it, me, and it led me to a couple other sites. Or well, whatever, Wikipedia but, is controlled by the people, right? It should be called. That's what I'm saying. Like, like anybody can go in there. And yeah, edit you can't stuff, really right? trust. So like I went on there and like it should I, be called I pulled Wikipedia. A lot of stuff there, but I pulled a lot of stuff from some other pages too, and it was there's some stuff in here that I pulled like directly from the different pages because once you get into certain parts, it's yeah. like it's, it's like mind numbingly like soul crushing and we do want to like preface like what moody's saying right now um your brain is probably going to hurt and that's why we're trying to keep it as light and joke as much as possible because there's a lot of information there's like a lot of science type shit and if you're not into that i apologize but it's very important to the story absolutely that's very important we'll have the chancellor (laughs) the chancellor with his mustache he would come out and he would say thank you guys for coming appreciate it do you like my mustache Perhaps you need a chancellor's mustache. <laughs> but just, just looking at Moody with that weird look, like mustache. 
It's like the most uncomfortable thing. <laughs> no, that's that's why it's amazing. All uh, right. Anyway, so in nineteen, 19- so we got the recap. Right, right we got right. the recap. Right. So you guys are if you guys are on board. You guys realize where we're at. On we this? got it. Okay. Wait, timeline though. Years, years. Uh, we're creeping up on nineteen forty-two right now. Got it. Right. I, I I tried to keep as much of that in there to to go by the years, so you know where. Yeah, we're that's at the best possible. way to do it. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, you got to remember, this was like a huge. It, and the reason we're do, covering it didn't this episode take very long to go from beginning to end. It, it was surprisingly short amount of time from when they started it to when they fucking dropped the bombs. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So. Wow. So um, in 1942, the Army Corps of Engineers joined the OSRD with Roosevelt's consent and the operation officially became a military initiative with scientists serving a supporting role. The OSRD formed the Manhattan Engineer District and based it in the uh, New York City borough of the same name under the lead of U.S. Army Colonel Leslie R. Groves. That sounds... My name's Leslie... I'll fucking kill you. He sounds like you gotta be, you gotta be tough. You gotta be tough. I, I actually have an uncle. His name's Leslie. He sounds like he was the illustrator. For, he's, uh, he's kind of a yeah. I wouldn't fuck with him for, for sure. He sounds like he was the illustrator for Charles Schultz. Like, hey Leslie, I need those Snoopy drawings. Okay, Charles. No, he, he's a colonel, man. I'll get it done. <laughs> he's like, see that thing there? I put my dick in it. That's what colonels do. Yeah, that's you didn't know that. Uh, no. Yeah. Duh. Is that what they do, Moody? Yeah, absolutely. They go around putting their dicks in there. <laughs> oh. Okay, guys, you hear you heard it on the podcast. Jeff, Jeff's got to be true. Damn, I should have joined the army. Shit, I knew I should have done that. Perhaps I could be chancellor <laughs> with the mustache. So, at the same time, Fermi and Zillard were still working on nuclear chain reactions, but had moved to the University of Chicago. They had begun to successfully enrich uranium to create uranium two thirty five, which sounds like the gun Marvin the Martian used. And it that's weird. Millennium You know, Marvin the Martian. No? Yes. Yeah. Am I that old? Okay. Why do you just always assume that when I'm giving you that look that I don't know what you're talking Cause about? Because you got resting dick face all so the time. He does. <laughs> no, for real, you do. That's why we're so always like, are you, you mad? You assume that when I give you that look, I know what you're talking about. Hence, is that's why the look is being given. Okay. I know, I, now I got it. It only took this long into the podcast for us to figure <laughs> I was just doing some uh, side research here. Uh-huh. And do you know who else is the chancellor? Who? Palpatine. Of course. Do you know who that is? Chancellor Palpatine. Don't get me fucking started. I am Supreme Chancellor Palpatine. Skywalker. (laughs) Perhaps your sister will join the dark side if you do not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. All right. Anyway, so also at this time, other scientists like Glenn Seaborg were uh, producing microscopic samples of pure plutonium while the Canadian government and military officials were working on nuclear research in several spots throughout Canada. Eh? <laughs> Was that a boot? Uh, went to our Canadian listeners, I love your accent. I absolutely love that. I love how they go into it. Like, just sit there and talk, and then all of a sudden they just, yeah, hey, how's it going, eh? <laughs> my, uh, my wife, Danny, her her dad is Canadian. Yeah, we talked about that before. Does yeah. he do it a lot? She, she doesn't, he doesn't say A a lot, but she doesn't hear the accent. But I can hear, like, he'll say certain words, and I'm just like, you know, like, <laughs> I laugh. And she, and I look at her, and she's just like, she'll be like, I don't, I don't know what you're I want to meet like, the Canadian. Why are you laughing? Like, how do you not hear that? I want to meet it's a Canadian hilarious. that talks like Terrence and Philip, because they were Canadian. Hey, hey buddy. <laughs> hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Hey, five, five. <laughs> I'm not your buddy, buddy. Not your guy. <laughs> I'm not your friend, guy. <laughs> so prior to the formal creation of the Manhattan Project, atomic research was ongoing at a number of universities around the United States. 
at the Rad Lab. It was radiation. like the race to be the first, Wait, right? We, Correct. Real quick, can I sidebar back to the Canadian oh, thing? Oh, God, now yes. we just lost everybody. Yep. We did. It's funny as fuck, though. It's a story. All just, right. Just, okay. Here we go. real quick. Okay. So when, for those, <laughs> for those of you not in the uh, Cleveland, Ohio area or surrounding areas, <clears throat> when, you were, when you were 19 and couldn't legally drink in Ohio, we would always drive to, to Canada. Windsor. Yeah, Windsor. to Windsor, yeah. Because it's right above Detroit. It's like two hours and away. And they had, uh, what is it, Molson Triple X. Mad Dog 2020. Yeah. So we went We went up there the one time. It was me and a couple of friends. And uh, we went to, they wanted to go to this karaoke bar. So we go to this karaoke bar. My one buddy was drunk as fuck. Oh, please tell me you sung a song. No, I didn't. Alanis Morissette? I don't do karaoke. Damn it. So he was super fucking drunk. And he was, uh, he started to kind of like, kind of go out at the table, you know? So he put his head down because he was tired and drunk. And uh, <laughs> the dude, the dude comes up to us, and he goes, he kicks, kicks my buddy's chair, like violently kicks his chair, and he says, "Hey, buddy, no sleeping in the, no sleeping in the bar." So, like two hours later, we're going to leave, and this has been stewing in my friend's brain for like two hours. We're walking out the door, and he looks at the bouncer that came over and kicked his chair. And he goes, "Hey, man," and the guy's like, "Yeah." He goes, better sleeping at the bar than with your girlfriend, who was standing right next to him, like with her arm around him. And uh, we start walking out, and the dude gets up, and he like waves to the crowd. <laughs> and uh, you were saying you wanted to hear a Canadian talk like Terrence and Philip. We're like halfway down the block, and we just hear from like way back by the bar, hey, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and really? We, we fucking lost uh, it. Dude. Hey, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> dude, it was hilarious. We fucking lost it, man. Oh, that's amazing. So at the Rad Lab, which is the radiation laboratory at the University of California at Berkeley, research was underway under the direction of Ernest Lawrence. Lawrence's most significant discovery came with his invention of the cyclotron, known as an atom smasher, which could accelerate atoms through a vacuum. That's some serious shit. Imagine being like the professor or student in that lab. (laughs) Like You do the wrong thing and... yeah, you're gone. You're, and they didn't even know, they didn't know the extent of it yet. They were just at this moment in time they were trying to you know um, speed up do atoms. Think, do you think that that dude got laid because of that? Like, do oh, you think chicks sure. were just like, oh hey, what do you do, dude? Ah, it, I built the atom smasher. Yeah, no, I don't think he got laid for man. I think he got laid so? because like he probably got a shit ton of money for it, and he got laid because of that. No, I mean think of MacGyver. Oh, MacGyver was always getting chicks because he was always like sweating when he's getting ready to cut the wire. Like, is it the blue? Is it the green? I'm MacGyver. Paperclip. And it was one of my favorite shows of all time. By the way, are you, you are you oh, comparing a guy who created a uh, an actual um, cyclotron to MacGyver? Do you not? Yeah. Think, do you not think MacGyver could? MacGyver make a can make a cyclotron of a juice box what are you talking about anyway so it could accelerate atoms through a vacuum and use electromagnetic or magnets to induce collisions at speeds of get ready for this up Uh-oh. to twenty five thousand miles per second wow let's 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 just think about that wow 20, wow Wow. 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 (laughs) (laughs) So that is extremely fast and extremely volatile. Like that's, that's crazy. And that's, uh, you know, almost as fast as my goofy ass talks most times. Sorry. Anyway. So Lawrence believed his machine could separate uranium 235 by electromagnetic separation. One of the four possible uranium isotope separation methods that would ultimately be considered during the Manhattan project. Yeah, didn't now know he obviously wasn't the only one at this time that knew that information or had an idea or theory 
No, he was the he was the lead guy that we had. That so, we had, but right. that's you know. But over the, the Chancellor over there, you know, Hitler was probably like. Think, my mustache and I have were, a question for they you. They weren't they weren't smashing atoms <laughs> over there though. He's like, um, do you know how to smash an atom? <laughs> my mustache and I have a question for yes. you. My mustache and I, we we would like to know. Um, do you know how to smash atoms? Do you not? Well, perhaps you should get on this. I'm just saying. Nine. Because if not, um, I'm going to kill you and your entire family. Okay. Okay. Have a good day. <laughs> Bye. That's pretty. That's a pretty good impression. That's, there. I like that's, that. That's that's in my head. That's how Hitler talks. I smell a new character. <laughs> great, great. <laughs> I got freaking feminine Hitler over here. <laughs> my mustache and I have a question for you. <laughs> would, would you do that? Some at some point, you'd be like, "My beard and I have a question for you." <laughs> Please do that. I'll start doing that. Yeah, that would be pretty amazing. We'll be right back after this. What? what do you mean we're back to the show? Oh, shit. Hey, everybody, we're back to the show. Let's have a good time. <laughs> so also during this time, Berkeley professors Emilio Sigre, Emilio, and Glenn Seaborg proved that the element 94, which they named plutonium, could also be used in nuclear reactions, offering another possible path to the bomb. On December 2nd, 1942, Chicago Pile 1 went critical creating the world's first self-sustaining chain reaction. The experiment not only proved that nuclear energy could generate power, but also showed a viable method to produce plutonium, which we all know that Dr. Emmett Brown was almost killed over. Oh, shit. But was luckily saved. Was it the, was it the Libyans? Is that who was after him? I believe so. Fucking Libyans. You fucking Libyans. Doc, Doc I just, I wanted to take this letter, Doc. <laughs> but no he was saved. He was saved from a one Marty McFly. He was. He was. He was saved by him, and, and the world was a better place because of it. Most definitely. Absolutely. On December 28th, 1942, President Roosevelt authorized the formation of the Manhattan Project. The object of the project, well, that's weird to say that. The object of the project was to bring together all of these research efforts, with the end goal being the weaponizing of nuclear energy. Facilities were set up in New Mexico, Tennessee, and Washington, as well as sites in Canada. Eh? Eh? Hey, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> For research and related atomic <laughs> testing. The Manhattan Project's weapons research laboratory was located, like we said earlier, at Los Alamos, New Mexico, under the direction of J. Robert Oppenheimer. And uh, whew, there's all kinds of stuff involved with that guy. The uh, Los Alamos laboratory would conduct the bulk of the remaining research and construction of the bomb. Physicists, chemists, metallurgists, explosive experts, and military personnel converged in the secret town which grew to be the home of thousands of project workers. Meanwhile, the army was charged with supplying, supporting, and guarding the top secret work being done at Los Alamos. So they didn't want this shit getting out. They were like, the second that, you know, the guy with the mustache hears about this, you know, they were like, no, we, we got to keep this away. And of course, you know, he's probably out there like, what's they doing? My mustache and I have a question for you. <laughs> mustache. Um, is there something weird happening? The uh, the it Americans. tickles. It does the bewitch. He does a wiggle nose, <laughs> or it's fake and he takes it off and puts it on a counter yeah. at night. <laughs> oh, mustache, you're my favorite. I love you. You're so nice. Who's the only one? I love you. <laughs> oh my god. 
So another important Manhattan Project site was located at Oak Ridge, Tennessee. By this time, the Manhattan Project was pursuing both a uranium and a plutonium-based atomic bomb. Oak Ridge, not like the Oak Ridge Boys. You know, come on. You know. What did they sing, by the Elvira. way? Elvira. Oh, that's it. Yeah. My heart's on fire for Elvira. You find out Elvira's like, thank you. Thank you. It's really like his grandma or something, you know? <laughs> What's the song about? It's about my grandma. It's about my grandma. She's great. I loved her. Anyway, so Oak Ridge was thus the home of the uranium enrichment plants uh, K-25, Y-12, and S-50, and the pilot plutonium production reactor, the X-10 graphite reactor. K-Y? <laughs> Not, no, it, it actually is K-Y. <laughs> Thank you. That was Jeff, actually. Yeah, I'll be here all week. Yeah, yeah. So equally important Super. was the site at Hanford, Washington, where the full-scale plutonium production plant, the B reactor, was constructed and was eventually joined by other reactors. So these guys are, they're trying their butts off. They're doing everything they can. And, you know, because they want to be the first ones to come up with this atomic bomb. Chef's over here. Smoking in the boys' room. Because I'm the <laughs> chancellor. Jesus Christ. <laughs> So now dozens of other sites were also involved with the Manhattan Project. In Cambridge, Massachusetts, scientists conducted further research at Harvard University and the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, a.k.a. M.I. motherfucking T. You got to be real smart. Or have a lot of money and your mom is Aunt Becky. Yeah, but I don't know. Is that where that whole thing went down? Was it MIT? What about, or Harvard or something like that. Yeah, Harvard and MIT, a little bit different there. Did you yeah. see, by the way, they got, uh, was it six months prison time? And they're trying to do it now because of the whole COVID thing. So, like, they would get, like, a cushy spot in prison. And the judge is actually making them wait. They got to wait it out till all this shit's over. And then they're going to put them in prison. Oh, shit. That's, yeah. that's hilarious. So, now, in Dayton, Ohio, that's real close to us, the uh, Manhattan Project tasked the Monsanto Chemical Company with separating and purifying the radioactive element pol- polonium, which is PO210, which was used... Um, or to be used as the initiator for the atomic bombs. Even in Canada, hey, yeah, what's this all about? Fuck you, buddy. <laughs> hey, guys. Fuck you, buddy. So in Canada, the Manhattan Project coordinated its efforts with the uh, Montreal Laboratory and the Chalk River Nuclear Laboratories in Ontario, the site for one of the world's first heavy water nuclear reactors. I did not know that. I did not know that. I would not be. I would not want to be a factory worker in any of these places. Could you imagine that? Why not? Homer Simpson was. Well, yeah, that's right. He yeah. was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was. That, that's completely different, though. These these places are like you're dealing with shit that's never been done before. You yeah, have no fucking idea how it's going to react and what's going to. Yeah, happen. I mean, like you wake up the next day and you got three eyes and. Like, I mean, would you want to be like? Is that a? Is that another dick? Well, not not even that. Like, <laughs> like what, just what the, the fact that like. Somebody would come up to you and be like, uh, just so you guys know, this is the first plant like this in the world, and we have no fucking idea what's going to happen. Yeah. Or OSHA was around back then. They come in. Welcome. Like, and that's my mustache knows what it the is. The funny thing, mm-hmm. hold up, though. The funny thing about that, there's there's a safety thing that I, I put in here later on. Yeah. And it, it'll, it's weird. It's, kind, right. of, it's kind of funny. Yeah, back then, it. they didn't want to do shit. They come in with their clipper, like, nothing to see here. Check, mate. And then they'd walk out and leave. The government's funding this, right? Everything looks fine here. You, yeah. the guy with the second dick, get back to work. Yeah. So meanwhile, uh, the 509th Composite Group of the Army Air Forces, which would drop the atomic bombs on Japan, trained at Wendover Airfield in Utah and in Cuba before shipping out to the launching point for the atomic bomb attacks at 
Tinian Island in the Pacific. It is estimated that more than 600,000 people worked on the Manhattan Project. It's a lot of motherfuckers. That's like a lot of that is like indirect. There's numbers later on about uh, like direct amount of people that worked for it. And it's still pretty impressive. The amount of people um, that actually worked on the project, like directly on the project. A lot of that stuff is like secondary and like, like tertiary kind of people. Would they build an entire city dedicated to building the damn thing? But like late later on, there's like a, there's more of like an actual, like an actual number account of like directly, like people that directly worked on the project. This is like overall over the years, the people that kind of came in and out that did certain, like even little things here and there. Um, and they went, I guess they went through fucking thousands, like hundreds of thousands. They vetted like hundreds of thousands of people before they were allowed to work. Like you had to go through a process to be, to work in any part of this project. It was like Bob Lazar in area 51. Bob Lazar. And like Bob that, Lazar. Number, that, that 600,000 number came from, uh, I got that off of, uh, the history history.com like history channel whatever it is oh, i thought you and, meant the uh, michael jackson album the weird thing about that number is that 600 that 600,000 is that's that's the only website that i've seen that high of a number of anything on and uh all the other stuff later is is a considerably lower number but i think that this i think that that number the 600,000 is Crashed. like everybody in the total scope that from like beginning to end even like just like minute people that had a part in it yeah even if somebody like like if you were somebody's secretary that had to send something that yeah. had to do with it i mean well, you're still like involved you were talking about that city like there's something in there about that later like they had fucking sports leagues and shit that's not as quite as many as i'm going to have me and my mustache i'm going to have lots of people working on this one for you you like this don't you Woody? Anyway, so let's talk about weapon designs. All right, this next session get it gets pretty sciency here. So um, if my brain happens to explode and you hear that, wow, that sudden, that's yeah, me. Some of that's, this gets kind of deep, and it's like, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's. But, if you're into science and like chemistry and shit, you're gonna like it, right? Which science. I am. I love. Sorry, sorry. Damn it. He does that to me. He he literally pulls the string and I'm a bad influence because I'm <laughs> the chancellor. But you don't have a mustache. I anyway. need the mustache. <laughs> so it's going to get kind of nuts, guys, uh, and everyone out there listening right now. So just kind of bear with us, but it kind of needs to be said. So we'll get through this together. In 1940- Can we do it in Christopher Walken's voice? Oh, no, I don't have it in me. Oh, really? There's no way to go through this. Yeah, this, dude. This section's pretty long. Yeah, it's it's all right, just, people. And I'm gonna beefy. try and it's beefy. Brace yourself. Yeah, we're listen. Listen, I'm gonna wait. Everybody's going to the skip button right now. Like yeah. Drag it in. yeah. No, no, no. Don't do that. In fact, go get a drink. Go get a drink. Sit and, back and, and get cozy. Like get like a good stiff drink. And every time. <laughs> And every time I say something that either doesn't make sense or I fuck up, you should like take a drink. We're going to play a game with this. I like that. That's All right. Good. So go in your kitchen right now. We'll wait. Hold on. Okay. Did you guys get a drink? All right. So every time I say something that doesn't make any sense or not, that doesn't make any sense, but it's confusing because it's just outlandish and like totally scientific. Or if I fuck up the words, not intentionally, because I wouldn't do that to you. You have to take a drink. All right. So here we go. Oh, boy. So in 1943, development efforts were directed to a gun type fission weapon with plutonium called Thin Man. 
Initial research on the properties of plutonium was done using cycle. Ugh, there's the first one. <laughs> Cyclotron generated plutonium 239, which was extremely pure, but can only be created in very small amounts. Los Alamos received the first sample of plutonium from the Clinton X-10 reactor in April of 1944. And within days, Emilio Segre discovered a problem. The reactor bred plutonium had a higher concentration of plutonium 240, resulting in up to five times the spontaneous fission rate of cyclotron plutonium. Seaborg had correctly predicted in March 1943 that some of the plutonium-239 would absorb a neutron and become plutonium-240. All right. Wow. <laughs> you guys you guys following me here? All right. So, so, so far, if I'm making count, that's probably what, a uh, good six drinks so far, right? I would say three. Okay. I'll catch up to you guys later, I promise. Um, this made um, this made reactor plutonium unsuitable for use in a gun-type weapon. So they wanted to make a gun, like a... a, a Fucking nuclear a gun. A nuclear dude. gun. It's something like on the game Doom, the video game. <laughs> right. You had the plasma gun, yeah. the plasma yeah. rifle, and they would just shoot, like, gobs <laughs> of nuclear And that's basically gel. what they were trying to do here. And it just... If they couldn't get it to work, and so the plutonium-240... They could have get to... Imagine being the poor bastards that had to test <laughs> that thing. All right, Smith, you ready? Fire when ready. My skin is burning. <laughs> Wait, is he okay? Is that the guy with the second dick? No, no, he, he'll he's be fine. fine. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah. He's fine. So anyway, it made it. You know, they couldn't do it. So the plutonium two forty would actually start the chain reaction too quickly, causing a pre detonation that would release enough energy to disperse the critical mass with a minimum minimal amount of plutonium reacted. It's called a fizzle. So it's like it's like. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much what it is Essentially, a little flag comes out and it says bang <laughs> just kidding yeah. so a faster gun was suggested uh, but found to just be impractical and uh, the possibility possi- yep, there's another one folks no thank you the possibility of separating the isotopes was considered and rejected as plutonium 240 is even harder to separate from plutonium 239 than uranium 235 and from uranium 238 okay uh, we so, assume we assume that you all knew that but we just wanted to run it back let's right let's right. layman I mean, terms common knowledge right let's, let's layman no, terms absolutely. recap yeah. god. okay god my daughter was just learning that in school actually really that's yeah. awesome yeah. what is she like On second Zoom? grade third grade she's going into second grade yeah. oh see yeah that's second grade second is grade when knowledge, they start man. talking about plutonium and uranium On exactly. zoom yeah yeah you yeah. didn't know zoom that class you didn't yeah, know yeah. that no yeah you always learn about Plutonium and uranium are the first two you learn about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my education system failed me. <laughs> Obviously. Right. <laughs> so, um, and honestly... I have to write a letter to my senator. So, in layman's terms, go back to talk about this real fast. So, yeah, basically, recap. they wanted to make a gun out of it, and unfortunately, they couldn't do it. And then someone said, hey, can we try and make it work by splitting more of these atoms or whatever? And it was just impossible because you're talking craziness like absolute craziness you know so so now work on an alternative method of bomb design known as implosion had begun earlier under the direction of the physicist seth niedermeyer implosion used uh, uh, explosives to crush a subcritical sphere of fizzle 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 is it I think fizz- it's just, is fizzle is it, is it f-i-s-s-i-l-e i-l-e yeah fizzle fizzle i don't know i'm gonna say it i don't give a fuck all right sure of fizzle material into you make a, it yours man that's right it's mine 
<laughs> and my mustache. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the fissile material into a smaller and denser form. When the fissile atoms are packed closer together, the rate of neutron capture increases and the mass becomes a critical mass. Oh boy, the metal needs to travel only a very short distance so the critical mass is assembled in much less time than it would uh, to take with the gun method. Niedermeyer's 1943 and early 1944 investigations into implosion showed promise, but also made it clear that the problem would be much more difficult from a theoretical and engineering perspective than the gun design. In September 1943, John von Neumann, who had experience uh, with shape charges... Newman. <laughs> Newman. He had experience with shaped charges used in armor-piercing shells, argued that not only would implosion reduce the danger of predetonation and fizzle, which, of course, is... Right. But would make more efficient use of this fissionable material. He proposed using a spherical configuration instead of the cylindrical one that Niedermeyer was working on. Now, have we all seen pictures of the very first atom bombs? Mm-hmm. It's a sphere. It's a it's a sphere. It's a, it's a big old it's circle. A, it's a globe. It, it, it is. It is a globe. It's a, it's a globe. <laughs> yes, it's a globe. Yes. Um, by July 1944, Oppenheimer had concluded plutonium could not be used in a gun design and opted for implosion. The accelerated effort in an implosion design codenamed Fat Man began in August 1944 when Oppenheimer implemented a sweeping reorganization of the Los Alamos Laboratory to focus on implosion. Two new groups were created at Los Alamos to develop the implosion um, weapon um, X for explosives division uh, headed by explosives expert uh, George Wow um, Kishkowski Kishkowski I'm going to say Kishkowski Kish, how about we call him George K good old George K George K and G for like gadget it. division uh, under Robert Botcher the new design that Von Neumann and T uh, for theoretical division <laughs> they're just letters of the division <laughs> They, yep. All these scientists, they're like, just put a fucking letter in front of it, man. It's <laughs> like, it's like the men in black. <laughs> it was just too confusing. It's too so much. Like, it's too All much. Right, you're G, you're K, right. you're X, you're T. And honestly, that may, I wish they would have done that with all this research. But anyway. Why the fuck am I Mr. Pink? Why do I got to be Mr. fucking Pink? Because you're fucking Mr. Pink. <laughs> uh, most notably, Rudolph um, uh, Perils had devised, used... Uh, he used explosive lenses to focus the explosion onto a spherical shape using a combination of both slow and fast high explosives. All right. Hopefully you guys aren't completely lost right now. Um, so basically it's a so bunch. basically they tried to make a gun out of this. Originally, they tried like, to that's gone. We're, a nuclear we're way, gun. We're way past the that's, gun. Okay, we're past we're the gun way now. Past the okay, gun. well, you lost me yeah. <laughs> so, three blocks ago. Right. So we're past the gun, and right now they're trying to figure out what would be the most... Um, what would make sense to contain um, everything that's inside of it and how they're going to actually drop this detonate. thing to detonate it and everything else. So without it, without it going right uh, or without it pre-detonating and then all of a sudden, you know, everybody's dead aboard everything. So that's, that's so we're at the containment basically. Yes. Yeah. So the design of the uh, lenses that detonated with uh, the proper shape and velocity turned out to be slow, difficult and frustrating. Various explosives were tested before like settling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me, it's fast, difficult, and frustrating. Hey-oh. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So various explosives were tested before settling on composition B as the fast explosive and baritol as the slow explosive. Explosive. Huh? 
<laughs> I'm sorry. My brain really hurts. It's okay. We pushed through. We got this. The final design resembled a soccer ball with 20 hexagonal and 12 pentagonal lenses, each weighing about 80 pounds. That would be sweet. <sighs> Getting the detonation That's just right. Fucking thing, yeah. Man. Like, think about that. Like, what is that? 32 things weighing 80 pounds a piece. A lot. That's a lot. That's like 2,500 pounds. It would take a hell of a catapult to launch yeah. that puppy. <laughs> so getting <laughs> getting the detonating uh, the detonation just right uh, required fast, reliable, and safe electrical detonators, of which there were two for each lens for reliability. It was therefore decided to use exploding bridge wire detonators, a new invention developed at Los Alamos by a group led by Luis Alvarez. A contract, motherfucker. <laughs> My mouth is literally just wanting to punch me in the face. I have no doubt. Thank you. A contract for their manufacturer was given to Raytheon. Raytheon. <laughs> My name is Raytheon. You are the destroyers of all worlds, Raytheon. Just kidding. It's just me. That's right. <laughs> because there can only be one. Raytheon. Raytheon does not have a mustache. He's look. You look at him. He doesn't have a mustache. He's, he's not. He's not fun. He's not good. <laughs> he has a chancellor's beard. <laughs> so to study the behavior of converging shockwaves, Robert Server devised the um, the R the Rala experiment. I guess yeah, uh, which used the short-lived radioisotope um, lanthium of one forty, a potent source of gamma radiation. Which, oh, now we're getting in the Hulk. Yeah. This, yeah. this is so fun for me to watch you stumble through oh. this, dude. <laughs> so the gamma ray source was placed in the center of a metal sphere surrounded by the explosive lens, um, which in turn were inside an ionization chamber. Um, this allowed the taking of an X-ray movie of the implosion. The lenses were designed primarily using this series of tests. In his history of Los Alamos Project, David Hawkins wrote, quote, Rala became the most important single experiment affecting the final bomb design. We'll be right back after this. What? What do you mean we're back to the show? Oh, shit. Hey, everybody, we're back to the show. Let's have a good time. Woo-hoo! All right, so within the explosives was the 4.5-inch um, thick aluminum pusher which uh, provided, <laughs> which provided a smooth transition from the relatively low density explosive to the next layer, the three inch thick tamper of natural uranium. Hey-oh. All right, its main job was to hold the critical mass together as long as possible, but it would also reflect neutrons back into the the uh, core. Some parts of it um, might fission as well um, to prevent. Ooh. Yeah, so to prevent predetonation by an, an external neutron. The tamper was coated in a thin layer of boron, a polonium beryllium modulated neutron initiator known as an urchin. And of course, you'd use boron. Of course. And yeah. Fucking boron. Duh. So known as an urchin because its shape resembled a sea urchin was developed to start the chain reaction at precisely the right wow. moment. Yeah. I'm telling you. Thank you, Chainsaw. This work with the chemistry and uh, metallurgy of radioactive polonium was directed by Charles Allen Thomas of the Monsanto Company, right here in Dayton. Um, testing required up to 500 curies per month of polonium, which Monsanto was able to, to deliver. Now, Monsanto, if I'm not mistaken, aren't they the ones that got sued for... Uh, yeah, it's all the same company. Yeah, yeah, they got sued for... Go giving, get your polonium box! 
that's the uh, the fucking uh, roundup or <laughs> whatever. The roundup, yeah. I think it was. Yeah, I don't know who. Yeah. Oh, that is. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they, they're behind like all the GMOs and. They shit. still sell that shit though. Yeah, like you can still oh, get yeah. it at Home Depot oh, yeah. and everything. Yeah, but now there's like all kinds of precautions and shit. Yeah. So the whole assembly was encased in a dur. Oh. Excuse me. Duralumin bomb casing. Duralumin. I got it. All right. Bomb casing. Come, come again. <laughs> Duralumin. Duralumin bomb casing to protect it from bullets and flak. So if someone was trying to shoot at an atomic bomb, oh my god. The ultimate task of the metallurgist was to determine how to cast plutonium into a sphere. The difficulties became apparent when attempts to measure the density of plutonium gave inconsistent results. At first, contamination was believed to be the cause, but it was soon determined that there were multiple allotropes of plutonium. The the brittle A phase that exists at room temperature changes to the uh, plastic B phase at higher temperatures. Attention then shifted to the even more malleable, um, uh, what is that, Q phase? Is it a Q? I don't know what letter that is, Moody. What, why, what kind of font is that? What does that? What is that font? Is it the Chancellor it was, font? Everything should be in fucking Arial. No, it's I don't know what that is. So it's a different phase, whatever. Perhaps it's common sense. <laughs> that normally exists in the 300 Celsius to 450 Celsius range. It's Times New Roman, maybe? Yeah, maybe, I don't know. It was found that this was stable at room temperature when, al- when alloyed with aluminum, but aluminum emits neutrons when bombarded with alpha particles, which would exacerbate the pre-ignition problem. The what? Metal- <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> metal. What is a plutonium neutron bullion? Uh, what? what, you, what oh, I'm sorry. What was that? What, what? did you say? <laughs> Jesus Christ. So... They hit upon a plutonium gallium alloy, which stabilized the uh, the. Uh, I want to say it's the Q phase, um, and could not be. Is that a Q? Come Q here for phase. a second. Come here for a second. Come here. Come here. You wrote this motherfucking thing. I, I typed it. Well, whatever. What 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 is that? How the fuck is that? How the fuck am I supposed to? Know? Hold on, hold on. I I can figure this out. I can figure this out. Fucking Google it. I don't know. It is. It's D. It's a delta. It's a, it's a delta D? sign. It's a, oh, a the delta, delta sign. Fucking okay. Greek shit. God, what a noob. <laughs> Which stabilized the delta phase and could not be hot pressed into the desired yeah, spherical I didn't know shape. What delta was right. What a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. As plutonium was found to corrode readily, the sphere was coated with nickel. Look at this nickel. photograph. <laughs> Every time I makes me laugh. What the hell's on Joey's head? Oh, good job. Good job, George. You got it. (laughs) You got it, George. Good job. So so the work proved dangerous. By the end of the war, half the experienced um, chemists and metallurgists had to be removed from work with plutonium when unacceptably high levels of the element appeared in their urine. A minor fire at Los Alamos in January 1945 led to a fear that a fire in the plutonium laboratory might contaminate the whole town. And Groves authorized the construction of a new facility for plutonium chemistry and metallurgy, which became known as the DP site. Hey, oh, boy. The old DP site. The huh? old DP site. Right. Can, we, can we take a quick pause from the plutonium, uranium, neutron bombs? <laughs> Do you know why his texts are always messed up? Why? I just saw him. Okay, so he's doing he's, whatever he research. He I swipe. He's a swipe texter. Yeah. yeah. That's why that? it's always messed up. I know. I've I know. admitted that numerous times. Where the fuck have you been? Why are you a swiper? Because I'm lazy. 
Dude, it's like two thumbs. You just do you play game? You play PlayStation. Huh? I haven't <laughs> used my thumbs to text since like '92. Your texts show that. I would love to know how many people out there are swipe texters. Hey, Moody, do you have a mustache? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, so the hemispheres for the first plutonium pit or core were produced and delivered on, on the July 2nd, 1945. Three more hemispheres followed on July 23rd and were delivered three days later. So now... <laughs> Hey, it's FedEx. I got a, a hemisphere. It's like 80 pounds, all different ways. The box is all dented up and fucked up. It's like he just kicks it to the shelf like, you got to sign for this. We took a picture. We delivered it. We know we did. It's like uh, it's like Ace Ventura at the beginning of the movie. Doing handstands over it. Yeah. So let's now talk about the Trinity test. So Trinity was Trinity. The, Trinity. Trinity. Was the code name of the first the Matrix sound <laughs> Whoa. So Trinity was the code name of the first detonation of a nuclear device. It was That was uncalled for. Wow. That's what happens when you give Moody yeah. the button control. It, it worked. It worked. It worked. I liked it. It was good. Caught me off guard. So well, it, you know what? You can fuck off, right? <laughs> so it was conducted. No. <laughs> it was conducted by the United States Army at 529 a.m. on July 16th, 1945, as part of the Manhattan Project. The test was conducted in the Jornada del Muerto Desert, about 35 miles southeast of Socorro, New Mexico, on what was then the USAAF Alamogordo Bombing and Gunnery Range, now part of White Sands Missile Range. Hey, welcome to the Alamogordo Gunnery Range. If you want to drop your hexagon bomb over there, it's okay. I'm going to go get some water. Why does everything have like a subtle Middle Eastern like What are you talking about? That's an Ohio accent. Yeah. I understand that, but the... (laughs) So now the only structures originally in the vicinity were the McDonald Ranch House and its ancillary buildings, which um, scientists use as a laboratory for testing bomb components. A base camp was constructed and there were 425 people present on the weekend of the test. So this is the first time that an actual nuclear bomb was boom. Yes, movie, you can do it. So that's the hills have eyes. That's the whole plot behind it. Correct. Yeah. That movie. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Did you not know that? No, but a connection is made. <laughs> he, he got the it. Fucking, the switch was yeah. like, <laughs> Oh, fuck. Little moth like tapping against it. Like, yeah. Light bulb. <laughs> so the codename Trinity was assigned by J. Robert Oppenheimer, the director of the Los Alamos Laboratory, inspired by the poetry of John Don. The test was of. What a stupid <laughs> name. I am John Don. <laughs> this is my poem. <laughs> the test was of an implosion designed plutonium device informally nicknamed the gadget of the same design as the fat man bomb later detonated over Nagasaki, Japan on August 9th, 1945. The complexity of the design required a major effort from the Los Alamos laboratory and concerns about whether it would work led to a decision to conduct the first nuclear test. Do you think Los Lobos ever played at Los Alamos? I would hope so. That would be the concert of a lifetime, I think. I don't know. It's something like that. I have no idea if I'm saying anything. 
Where's Davey at? He'd tell me if I'm saying anything. He sang it for us the one time. Oh, yeah. That's right. He did. did he really? Yeah. He's like, I don't sing as good as John, but... <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. So the test was planned and directed by Kenneth Bainbridge. So fears of a fizzle... Kenneth. I know, fucking Kenneth. Fears of a fizzle led to the construction of a steel containment vessel called Jumbo that could contain the plutonium. <laughs> Jumbo! <laughs> Jumbo. That's also uh, what uh, what's his name? Named his dick. Uh, our our pr- former president. What? Yeah, dude, we talked about this. Remember, Big Dick Johnson, Lyndon Johnson. Yeah, yeah. he named his he named his wiener Jumbo. Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Is there a statue of him? I, 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 I there's I, a statue of his penis. <laughs> oh, there is. <laughs> yes. How do you know that? Listen. It didn't take long. <laughs> He's like, oh, well. It, it didn't take long to erect it. Oh! Hey! People were coming from miles around. <laughs> oh! What it's not fuck? hard to get to. Oh, man. So anyway, Jumbo was actually not used. A rehearsal was held on May 7th, 1945, in which 108 short tons. It's the day after my birthday. Oh, hey, happy birthday. But not in 45. Oh, no. Unless I'm a time traveling chancellor. <laughs> Jesus. So the, the, these uh, 108 short tons of high explosive spiked with radioactive isotopes were detonated. The gadget's detonation released the explosive energy of about 22 kilotons of TNT. Observers included Vannevar Bush, James Chadwick, James Conant, Thomas Farrell, uh, Enrico Fermi, Richard Feynman, Leslie Groves, uh, Robert Oppenheimer, Jeffrey Taylor, Richard Tolman, and John von Neumann. Newman. Fucking Newman. Fucking Newman. The test site was declared a National Historic Landmark District in 1965 and listed on the National Register of Historic Places the following year. So the scientists wanted good visibility, low humidity, light winds at low altitude, and westerly winds at a high altitude for the test. The best weather was predicted between July 18th and July 21st. But the Potsdam Conference was due due to start on July 16th, and President Harry S. Truman wanted to test the test to be conducted before the conference began. Of course, because why not have radioactive isotopes just floating around everywhere for a conference? Makes sense. It was therefore scheduled for July 16th, the earliest date at which the bomb components would be available. So now, the detonation was initially planned for four o'clock midwestern mid midwestern time is that what that is mwt is it midwestern time M- mountain west time milton was time yeah no that's it okay cool yeah. but was postponed because of rain and lightning from earlier that morning because you know lightning you don't want to have an atomic bomb exploding during a lightning storm you know absolutely not right. it was feared that the danger from radiation and fallout would be increased by rain and lightning had the scientists concerned about a premature detonation of course they would Hey, nobody likes a premature detonation, Moody. hey <laughs> Thank you. They make pills for that. <laughs> <laughs> a crucial favorable weather report came in at 4.45, and the final 20-minute countdown began at 5.10, read by Samuel Allison. By 5.30, the rain had gone. There were some communication problems. The shortwave radio frequency for communicating with the B-29s was shared with the Voice of America, and the FM radio shared a frequency with a railroad freight yard in San Antonio, Texas. Two circling B-29s observed the test, with shields again flying the lead plane. They carried members of Project Alberta who uh, would carry out airborne measurements during the atomic missions. These included Captain Deke Parsons. That's a badass name. What's your name? Captain Deke Parsons. I'm Deke sorry, are you saying Captain Dick? Deke. 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 Like D-E-K-E? D-E-A-K. 
Captain Dick. Dick. All right, Captain Dick Parson. Dick. 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 Who was the associate director of the Los Alamos Laboratory and the head of Project Alberta? Luis Alvarez, uh, Alvarez, Harold Agnew, uh, Bernard Waldman, Wolfgang Panofsky, and William Penny. Now that's a name. That's, that's, that's the fucking say, name right that's there. That's a fucking name to have. His little name tag with the wings on it says Wolfgang. What is like, your name? My name Wolfgang Panofsky. You, you know, know me. I am the guy who wants to watch Adam Bomb. Yes, it's me. I watch Bomb. But blow. Blow Bomb. Yes. Do you think they lined up like in dodgeball and they had to pick their members and like Wolfgang was one of the last guys and they're like, oh, we'll take Wolfgang. The funny part about this is he was like the best in the class, though. Give me Panofsky. (laughs) (laughs) Yay, I get on team. Yay. Yeah, we got Deke Parsons. (laughs) (laughs) But the messed up part is, is that the overcast sky actually obscured their view of the test site. Oops. So they're all there like, yeah. And then the sky was like, no. So at 529, the device exploded with an energy equivalent to around 22 kilotons of TNT. The desert sand, largely made of silica, melted and became a mildly radioactive light green glass, which was named Trinitite. It left a crater in the desert five foot deep and 30 feet wide. At the time of detonation, the surrounding mountains were illuminated, quote, brighter than daytime for one to two seconds. And the heat was reported as, quote, being as hot as an oven at the base camp. The observed colors of the illumination changed from purple to green and eventually to white. The roar of the shockwave took 40 seconds to reach the observers. It was felt over 100 miles away, and the mushroom cloud reached 7.5 miles in height. That's that picture that you guys see when... Terminator 2. The old school one where you see that thing going... Yeah. That's that's The houses are... Trees are blowing over. Seven fucking miles Miles. in the air. Miles. Like, that's in different parts of our, like, stratosphere, dude. That's... That's insane. That's insane. And, of course, radioactive isotopes. Yay! And what year was that? Uh, 1943, right? It's perfectly safe. Imagine, like, a long day of work, like, you're nearby, and you come home, and, like, you know, you sit down, and you're eating your dinner with your family, and just in the background of your, like, your your glass window in the kitchen. You just see, see, like, a flash. You're like, oh, is it lightning? And then you see this mushroom cloud. (laughs) Eh, Oh, well, just keep eating. So the now house, the house rumbles a yeah. little bit like <laughs> so now somebody watching from Camponia Hill by the name of Ralph Carlisle Smith said I was staring straight ahead with my open left eye covered by a welder's glass and my right eye remaining open and uncovered suddenly my right eye was blinded by a light which appeared instantaneously all about without any buildup of intensity my left eye could see the ball of fire start up like a tremendous bubble or a knob like mushroom I dropped the glass from my... <laughs> Damn wow. it. I almost got through that. Damn it. The light intensity fell rapidly. Hence did not blind my left eye, but it was still amazingly bright. It turned yellow, then red, and then beautiful purple. At first, it had translucent character, but shortly turned to a tinted or colored white smoke appearance. The ball of fire seemed to rise in something of toadstool effect. Later, the column proceeded as a cylinder of white smoke. It seemed to move ponderously. A hole was punched through the clouds, but two fog rings appeared well above the white smoke column. There was a spontaneous cheer from the observers. Dr. Von Neumann said, quote, that Wolfgang! Woo! That was at least 5,000 tons and probably a lot more. So yeah, dude, this thing was impressive. This now, was- correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't... You're an wrong. Atomic bomb. Sorry. 
it it sucks everything in, then shoots it out, right? Isn't that how that works? Or is that the nuclear bomb? Hydro- hydrogen bomb. One of the bombs, it like it actually implodes, like when it detonates. Yeah, well, that sucks so everything yeah, in, so and then it then these, it pushes bombs, everything out. They're implosion bombs. They're implosion okay, bombs. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. And um, so a lot of like people, yeah, a lot of people don't actually know though that these bombs, like the ones that were dropped on Nagasaki and Hiroshima and whatnot, they didn't actually hit the ground. They detonate. Like they detonate well above ground. They detonate. I think it's like because it pushes everything. Yeah, down. I think it's like five or ten thousand feet above. They actually, so they drop it from a plane and then it goes and it hits that that certain um, level mm-hmm. and then they ignite it and so that we put that so that that's that cloud where it goes whoa yeah because it's hitting the ground right. So it's pretty pretty impressive. So John R. Lugo was flying a U.S. Navy transport at 10,000 feet, 30 miles east of Albuquerque, en route to the West Coast. Quote, My first impression was like the sun was coming up in the south. What a ball of fire. It was so bright, it lit up the cockpit of the plane. Lugo radioed Albuquerque. He got no explanation for the blast, but was told, Don't fly south. And that, dear listeners, so- the nuclear age had just begun real quick the uh the height that the hiroshima bomb exploded was 600 meters or roughly 2,000 feet okay so 2,000 feet not as high as i was saying but yeah it's still it's still like pretty crazy feet off the ground and it (laughs) now we talked about uh mr oppenheimer earlier and we actually have uh some audio uh footage of him actually talking about when they walked away and he actually had an interview about uh, the first testing of the bomb and yeah I think Jeff's got that right yeah also google it if you're listening at some point when you get free time because he looks like a muppet <laughs> he knew the world would not be the same few people laughed few people cried most people were silent I remembered the line from the Hindu scripture, the Bhagavad Gita. Vishnu is trying to persuade the prince that he should do his duty and to impress him takes on his multi-armed form and says, now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. We have all become death, the destroyer of worlds. And I am the Muppet Master. <laughs> Jesus. But dude, I mean, what a crazy time to like, you know, not, not only be involved in it, but to be involved in something of that magnitude. Like th- this is something that literally could wipe off every single living creature on the face of the planet. And it's man-made and it's in the hands of a lot of really big assholes. And years later... UFOs would come to Earth to warn us that we have gone too far. There's actually some uh, some some conspiracy theories about the fact that it wasn't the the atom bomb when they actually did that. It didn't. They didn't come to warn us. It was actually a signal to them. So it wasn't like they went, "Oh, hey, you guys are fucking up." It was more like a like a light in the a beacon, like a beacon, and then all of a sudden, that's when. Everything started showing up past that and point. And then they showed up. They went to Elliot's house and was like, Reasy pieces, Reasy pieces. <laughs> all a lot. Right, Moody? 
That's not fucking true at all. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. So let's talk about employment, secrecy, and the cost of the project. So this will be a little bit less uh, mind fucking, <laughs> I, I hope. So although the, Man- mm-hmm. <laughs> although the Manhattan Project started out modestly, it grew to a project of epic proportions. It grew to in, in, the employees were around 130,000 people and cost around $2 billion, which is approximately $28 billion today. In 1944, around 84,000 were uh, construction workers, around 42,000 were plant workers, and around 1,800 military personnel. A year later, the workforce had declined to around 100,000 as construction needs dropped off. But at the same time, military personnel jumped up to around 5,600. That includes scientists, right? In the military? Yeah, that's yeah. all. That's yeah, it. yeah, yeah, it, yeah. They, so they talk, were on the it, payroll of the military. Yeah, I mean, it talks about that a little bit more. Yeah, so. Okay. so a large source of skilled employee... employee <laughs> Thank you. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Make sure it took a little bit longer than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> so a large source of skilled employees was the Army Specialized Training Program. About 675 skilled workers and technicians came from this program. Another source was the Women's Army Corps. Initially brought in for clerical work and handling classified materials, they were soon tapped for technical and scientific tasks as well. Despite the amount of dangerous work, such as handling dangerous and toxic chemicals, using hazardous liquids and gases under high pressures. It's your safety stuff. Yeah. Working with high voltages, handling and experimenting with explosives and explosive devices, not to mention, you know, all that radioactive material that we had no idea about any of the side effects and ramifications. It's okay. Of- you get your certification. You have safety glasses. Right. Have a nice day. Yeah. What's that thing growing from your neck? Shh. Don't worry. It's fine. You, now have you washed your hands? Yeah, you're smarter now, is all it is. You've become very, very smart. Yes, yeah, so that thing on your neck that's just... Don't, nothing, don't nothing go to the to doctor. Yeah. We're good. <laughs> don't go to the doctor. So, despite all of this, in December 1945, the National Safety Council presented the Manhattan Project with the Award of Honor for Distinguished Service to Safety in recognition of its safety record. Between January 1943 and June of 1945, there were 62 fatalities and... 3,879 disabling injuries, which is about 62% below the rate of private industry. Ooh. That's kind of fucking crazy. Think, if you think about, about it, that, man. folks. 62% less than private industry. Yeah, think about that. So people working at like GM or Ford were more likely to die than the people that were working in the, the fucking atomic bomb. Back in 1942, wow. yeah, 43. That's, that's fucking ridiculous. Better yeah. screening process. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's. Funny. I mean, it's true. I mean, we could get into an offensive debate about it. I'm not going to, but I mean, it's kind of right there in, in black and white and painting gray, white, what? Yeah. Well, it is like I said that I think there's. I think it mentions it in there the amount of people that they actually like vetted to go through to before they got the people they worked with. So, with all these employees, you'd think it would be hard to keep any kind of secrecy about this project. Despite the number of people working on the project, only a few dozen people actually knew the entire scope of the project. A Time Magazine article started the almost um, every or stated that almost every person working on the project were essentially moles working in the dark. It also stated that there were they were warned that disclosing the project's secrets was punishable by ten years in prison or a ten thousand dollar fine. <laughs> that's insane to me. So listen, where you're going to be working that's here? Ten thousand dollars in 1943. So that's around one hundred thirteen thousand dollars today. Yeah. So they reported seeing enormous quantities of raw materials into factories with nothing coming out and monitored um, dials and switches while behind thick concrete walls, mysterious reactions took place without knowing the purpose of their jobs. So they're just there. 
they're literally just, they they're they just, were trained they they were taken in there and people were like watch this make sure it stays between this and this and don't fucking touch anything else and let us know if it changes you you sit there shut up <laughs> yeah, don't no, say a word there was a i read an interview uh it was a quote from a guy and he was like we're literally he's like we had no idea what we were doing like to us it was like we're we're taking a blank and putting it into a blank while we're turning a blank and that's all we know we have no idea why we're doing it or what we're doing like yeah, it's, nobody it's absolutely fucking insane. knew well i mean you got the u.s army pretty much threatening your life you know you're gonna kind of eh, just kind of do what they say to do there was there's, also respect back then too well there's pictures too yeah. <clears throat> there's pictures in some of these spots i think it gets into uh one of the places on here i don't know if it was oak ridge or one of the other ones but there was a big sign like when you went into like going into the little city or whatever it said like anything you see here anything you hear here or anything you do here uh you have to keep it here or something like that oh like, so what happens in vegas stays sign. in vegas yeah okay. and it was a big fucking sign like on the road in oh well that's crazy yeah it was weird so, in December 1945, the United States Army published a secret report and that anal- and analyzing what the fuck analyze ah, damn it analyzing and assessing. I hope everyone's really drunk by this time because you should be analyzing and assessing the secret uh, security apparatus surrounding the Manhattan Project. The report states that the Manhattan Project was quote more drastically guarded than any other highly secret war development. We'll be right back after this. This episode of the Midnight Train Podcast is sponsored by Voodoo Vodka. 20 times distilled, made from pure cane sugar and handcrafted right here in Ohio. Vodka can be smooth and voodoo proves it. Drink it straight, chilled, or in your favorite mixed drink. Ask for it wherever you buy your favorite liquors or head over to voodoo.com and subscribe to their mailing list. While you're there, pick up some Voodoo merchandise and use the promo code Midnight Train Podcast, all one word, to get 10% off your entire order. That's Voodoo, V O U D O U X dot com. Promo code Midnight Train Podcast for 10% off. And you can now buy this delicious vodka online. So order some today and drink with us whenever you listen to the show. Voodoo Vodka, it's magic. What? What do you mean we're back to the show? Oh, shit. Everybody, we're back to the show. Let's have a good time. Woo-hoo! So the security infrastructure surrounding the Manhattan Project was so vast and thorough that in the early days of the project in 1943, security investigators vetted 400,000 potential employees and 600 different companies that would be involved in all aspects of the project for potential security risks. One Oak Ridge worker stated that, quote, if you got inquisitive, you were called on the carpet within two hours by government secret agents. Usually those summoned to explain were then escorted to the gate and ordered to keep going. So basically they told you like you did. You're you're fucked. So one manager stated after the war, quote, well, it wasn't that the job was tough. It was confusing. You see, no one knew what was being made in Oak Ridge. Not even me. And a lot of the people thought they were wasting the time here. It was up to me to explain to the dissatisfied workers that they were doing a very important job. When they asked me what, I'd have to tell them it was a big secret. But I almost went crazy myself trying to figure out what was going on. So this guy's like, he's trying to bullshit people 
even though he has no idea what the hell's happening. Just like a good politician. Right. Absolutely. Or a good boss, to be honest, because most bosses have no idea what the fuck they're doing. I don't bullshit my employees. You should. I tell them how it is. (laughs) You get to work, bitch. So another worker told of how working in a laundry, she every day held a, quote, special instrument to uniforms and listened for a clicking noise. Please be a piccolo. A piccolo. Yeah. Why would it be a piccolo? Because that's a special instrument. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think they were trying to see if people were radioactive, right? Is that what I'm, I'm yeah, just, assuming? Yeah, it, it, she says, did says it. Oh, okay. Uh, she learned only after the war that she had been performing the important task of checking for radiation with a Geiger counter. To improve morale among such workers, Oak Ridge created an extensive system of intramural, intramural sports leagues, including 10 baseball teams, 81 softball teams, and 26 football teams. That's right. I told you. Hey, so, you guys are all dying, but hey, softball. So here's what I, I found the signs, the Oak Ridge signs. Um, one of them the Oak says, Ridge boys? No. Signs. Damn it. Signs. One of them is a big sign that says, loose talk helps our enemies, so let's help our, let's keep our trap shut. That's what it says. Okay. Then the other one says, um, what you see here, what you do here, what you hear here, when you leave here, let it stay here. Ooh. Yeah. Ominous. It's ominous. So, it looks like there's five baseball teams, so nothing wrong here. Four Bell. football teams? Bill, um, what the hell is that noise? That's my Geiger counter. And what, what does that do, Bill? Oh, nothing. Uh, oh. Why is my baseball glowing? That's so you can hit it at night. Just make sure to wear safety glasses. Yeah, that's fine. All right. Also, we're good. Also, when I pee, smoke comes out. Yes, that's syphilis. <laughs> <laughs> According to my Gaga counter, you have 8,000 degrees of syphilis. <laughs> you might want to get that looked at today. <laughs> that's syphilis. That's amazing. <laughs> so let's talk about the Soviets involved in this thing, all right? So while oh, the f- Yuri, yeah, oh, it's Yuri he comes out now. He says, "Yeah, okay." So while the fear of sabotage was always real, there were no confirmed instances of Axis power instigated incident incidences. Incident. Okay, there's that fucking word again. Can you say that five times fast? Incidents, 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 incidents. As I gotta say, fast, Matt, do it. Incidents, incidents, shit. So. By 1943, it was pretty damn apparent that the uh, Russians wanted in and were attempting to infiltrate the project. Yeah. So they always got their hands in everything. You notice that? Of course Everything they do. we go over, there's like right, a there's, little corner of the story. As, it's because we are, listen, we are Russian. We do everything. Okay. Even, even if they didn't have anything to do with it, there's a conspiracy theory that the Russians were somehow involved. Yeah. Like, like look, to be honest, we we a very big country. Not many people. Very big country. We can't be everywhere Russians, at all times. The Russians are like my my kids. They're just fucking nosy about everything. You know? This is very insulting, Moody. I don't like it. Okay. Is that Russia, why you swipe text so they can't Russians, read it? Russians are like fucking toddlers. They have to know everything. <laughs> they're nice. involved in everything. Like Russia, like when they're in like the United Nations and shit, Russia's like the guy in the corner just like, why? No, he's like peeking. Why? He's like, why? What's going on in there? <laughs> What are they doing? What are are they doing? Me, me? You need me? Oh, okay. (laughs) I want to play too. (laughs) Can can I be involved as well? I would like to play. You always pick Wolfgang first? No, Yuri, you sit down. But no, I'm very good. 
Uh, yeah, well, we're going to take Wolfgang over Yuri. Sorry, <laughs> Yuri, but... <laughs> this bullshit. Wolfgang... Uh, Every just, time. Wolfgang he, gets picked, not me. This bullshit. He's better on the base path. <laughs> <laughs> so... Anyway, as we're talking about here, Oppenheimer informed Colonel Boris Pash, head of the counterintelligence branch of the Western Defense Command, that he had been approached by a fellow professor at Berkeley, Hakon Chevalier. I like that the guy who's supposed to investigate the Russians is named Boris. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, you'll fit you, right in. Would you feel comfortable with that guy? Like, uh, maybe we should get Wolfgang over uh, here. Again. Colonel, Colonel Pash, uh, Colonel Boris Pash, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, what do you like? Uh, do, do you like borscht? No, no, I, I don't. I don't like. I don't like borscht. Do you? Uh, do you like? Uh, you know, Russian football? N- n- no. Russian football. Why? Why? Why would I do that? Why would I do that? Because you're a Russian. <laughs> you're a Russian. Anyway, so he is the counter. Uh, are you breaking your shit again over there? No, I was trying to like tighten the thing down. Oh, farted. So. Oh, God, it feels so much better. <laughs> so anyway, he says, um, so he's talking to uh, Boris Pash over here. And we're talking uh, again about uh, Oppenheimer went to Colonel Boris Pash and said that Hakon Chevalier, who is a fellow professor at Berkeley, um, was uh, passing information to the Soviet Union. And then there's good old Klaus Fuchs. Uh, yes, you guys remember him. He was the <laughs> Soviet spy that worked for the British mission and served as an important part at Los Alamos. Yeah, he was literally a a spy and came to work for us, is what he did. That happened. I have no doubt. Correct. The 1950 revelation of his espionage activities damaged the United States' nuclear cooperation with Britain and Canada. Subsequently, other instances of espionage were uncovered, leading to the arrest of Harry Gold, David Greenglass, and Ethel and Julius Rosenberg. (laughs) Ethel. It's such a great name. That would be Isaiah's wife. Ethel and my Julius last name, wrote, not Ethel. Like, it's Mildred. That sounds Mildred. like like just straight typicals, like stereotypical, yeah. like New York Jew. Like that is the name you know? of the people in the the picture where they're holding the pitchfork in front of the house. <laughs> the American guy. Yeah, 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 that's that's them. That's yeah. that's their name. It's Ethel and Julius Rosenberg. Yeah, one hundred percent. And if it's not, it should be. I think everyone has a picture of what those people look like in their head right now. <laughs> they, they, you, is, everyone knows. probably spot the yeah, fuck out. Everyone too. knows. Yeah. That there is Ethel and Julius Rosenberg. And uh, Ethel cleans the house and Julius goes and farms every day. And you know, they, they just live that life. In reality, they have like a sex dungeon. Ethel! <laughs> Grab that thing right there. Stick it. In. Anyway. Um. So, so other spies like George Caval and Theodore Hall remain unknown for decades. The value of espionage is difficult to quantify as the principal constraint on the Soviet atomic bomb project was a shortage of uranium ore. So in other words, they couldn't drop their own shit or create their own shit because they couldn't find uranium ore. The consensus is that espionage saved the Soviets one or two years of effort. They were fucking put to death. Who was? The Rosenbergs. Ethel and Julius. Oh, yeah, for being um, supposed... They were put to death in the electric chair because they were spying for the Soviets. Yeah. He fucking killed them. (laughs) Jesus. All right, so let's talk about some bombings here. In May 1945, the interim committee was created to advise on wartime and post-war use of nuclear energy. The committee was chaired by Stimson with James F. Burns, a former U.S. senator soon to uh, be Secretary of State, as President Harry S. Truman's personal representative. 
Ralph A. Bard, the Undersecretary of the Navy, William C. or William L. Clayton, the Assistant Secretary of State, Venevar Bush, again, that person popped up again, uh, Carl T. Compton, James B. Conant, and George L. Harrison, an assistant to Stimson and President George of George Harrison was involved? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, I wanted to do a traveling Woolberry song and I didn't have it in my head. Oh, damn it. Don't let don't let Ringo fucking push the button. <laughs> Ringo, we don't like him. I've got a song. It's about an octopus's garden. I wrote it. I wrote I wrote it. So at the Potsdam Conference in Germany, Truman was informed that the Trinity test had been successful. He told Stalin, the leader of the Soviet Union, that the U.S. had a new superweapon without giving any details. This was the first official communication to the Soviet Union about the bomb. But Stalin already knew about it from spies. Spies. Is that Dan Aykroyd? Spies like us. Such a good fucking movie. Such a great movie. Oh, my God. It's one of the best. With the authorization to use the bomb against Japan already given, no alternatives were considered after the Japanese rejection of the Potsdam Declaration. I love that, too. They're like, yeah, you guys can use a bomb if you want. And then after that, they were like, well, we could do this. And they're just like, no, fuck that. We're going to drop the bomb on them. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Fuck them. Yeah. Well, dude, the whole um, um, my brain just went. Yeah, yeah. Pearl Harbor. Was that a fizzle? That was a fizzle. My brain fizzles. (laughs) The whole Pearl Harbor thing that had everybody like real fucked up, and so they they had a they were proving a point. They were like, we're gonna end this shit now. I feel like I I feel like it was like when you're like arguing with somebody, or there's somebody that's like just fucking annoying you, and like you're just like, all right, dude, come on, it's time to stop now. Like, and they just keep poking you, and then you do that one thing that just to fucking end it. You're just like. That's it, and you do that one thing. It that's is, what we did. It's the bomb's version of slapping your hands on the table. Stop it! <laughs> right, it's like yelling at your kids. That's enough. Yeah. That's that's exactly yeah. what that was. Okay, so on August sixth, nineteen forty-five, a Boeing B twenty-nine Superfortress known as the Enola Gay of the three hundred ninety-third Bombardment Squadron, piloted by Tibbets, lifted off from Northfield and Little Boy in its bomb bay. Of course, there was Little Boy, and there was Batman. Batman, Little Boy. Tibbets, take these they're packages. Talking about, they're talking about me and you then, I think. Wait, what's really... Yeah, right. <laughs> it, the funny thing is, is that my cat's name when he was little was Little Boy, and now he's Fat Man. I swear oh, to God, because nice. he's a fat like fucking cat. He's did you a, adopt him from Tibbets? <laughs> Tibbets, I, I wish to cat, God I did. Sir. That'd be hilarious. You want this cat. So Hiroshima, the headquarters of the 2nd General Army and 5th Division, and a port of embarkation was the primary target of the mission with Kokura and Nagasaki as alternatives. With Farrell's permission, Parsons, the weaponier in charge of the mission, completed the bomb assembly in the air to minimize, minimize the risks during takeoff. So they actually put it together in the air. Like, that's fucking crazy. Think about that. Like, you are you have an atom bomb and you're literally on the way to drop it and you're like... Especially... Right, right. Especially if you saw what the test did. Right. And you're the guy that's like, all right, here we go. Fucking... Just sweating. Someone give me a flathead. Sweating his ass off. I said nine sixteenths is not a half inch. No, not metric. Wait, this one's not lining up. Just give me the hammer. We'll pound it in there. So the funny thing is he he probably... He may not have actually seen the initial test run because he's a weaponeer in charge of the mission. (laughs) The other guys are like... 
Let Johnson do it. Yeah. Hey, Parsons, you're, you're going. Yeah, man, I'll totally do it. <laughs> they went through like 40 people. They're like, I ain't fucking right. doing it. Wolfgang, where's your chewing gum? I need some glue. <laughs> so the bomb detonated at an altitude of 1,750 feet. We just talked about this. With a blast that was later estimated to be the equivalent of 13 kilotons of TNT. An area of, of approximately 4.7 square miles was destroyed. Dusted. Japanese officials determined that 69% of Hiroshima's buildings were destroyed and another 6 to 7% damage. About 70,000 to 80,000 people, of whom 20,000 were Japanese combatants and 20,000 were Korean slave laborers, or some 30% of the population of Hiroshima, were killed immediately. And another 70,000 30, 30% of the city was killed immediately. Instantly, instantaneously, in place. Vaporized. Like you can see the videos of them, like just charred, like the in shadows? place. Yeah, the, and shadows, the shadows. The yeah. shadows, man. There were people yeah. that actually had their eyeballs. Uh, they were like a mile away, or something like that, or some some distance away. That their eyeballs melted because the heat hit. Like they didn't personally like die, but their eyes. Yeah. Mean, they died, but I'm saying like they didn't die instantly. It's like a solar flare. Yeah, dude. Like that's just. Oh boy, kind of makes you. Ugh. Oh, the humanity. Yeah. So on the morning of August 9th, 1945, a second B 29 boxcar piloted by the 393rd Bombardment Squad, uh, Squadron's commander, Mar- <laughs> Major Charles W. You fucker. Major Charles W. Sweeney lifted off with Fat Man on board. This time, Ashworth served as a weaponeer, and Kokura was the primary target. Yeah. So a lot of people don't know that, that they were actually going to Kokura. And they ended up going to Nagasaki. Sweeney took off. <laughs> Nagasaki's got to be pissed. Yeah. 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 What about them? Do you, like, do you think there's like a rivalry now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they have opposing teams. Like Kokura's like. <laughs> yeah. Y'all got fucked up. So Sweeney took off with the weapon already armed, but with the electrical safety plug still engaged. When they reached Kokura, they found cloud cover had obscured the city. So they didn't drop a an atomic bomb because there was cloud cover. You could What a great day for clouds. Oh my god. Could you imagine? Like you're walking out there like, oh fucking dad, this day's fucking shitty. What a shitty fucking day. Looks like yeah. it's gonna fucking rain. Yeah, it's dismal, it's gray. It. Fuck this fucking city. And then all of a sudden <laughs> in the distance. You just like you hear the planes, you're like, oh, what's going on up there? Sounds like some planes or something. Never once did they ever appreciate that more than that day. So anyway. They found that there was car, uh, cloud cover there, and it prohibited the visual attack um, you know, required by orders. After three runs over the city and with fuel running low, they headed for the secondary target, Nagasaki. Ashworth decided that a radar approach would be used if the target was obscured. So they were dropping this motherfucker no matter what. Even if they, even if it was cloudy and they couldn't see, they even were if it was cloudy, shit out, dude. they were like, you know what, we're dropping this no matter what. So uh, a last minute break in the clouds over Nagasaki allowed a visual <laughs> approach as ordered. God lucky, was like, lucky them. <laughs> yeah, he opened it up like he go. You win the lottery. Yeah, <laughs> the fat man was dropped over the cities. I just keep visualizing someone dropping my cat. It's so funny. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> 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 so the Son fat man bitch. fat man was dropped over the city industrials uh, industrial valley midway between the mitsubishi steel and arms works in the south and the mitsubishi Yurikami ordnance works in the north the resulting explosion had a blast yield equivalent to 21 kilotons of tnt roughly the same as the trinity blast but was confined to the Yurikami valley and a major portion of the city was protected by the intervening hills resulting in the destruction of about 44% of the city. The bombing also crippled the city's industrial production extensively 
Oh boy, and killed 23,200 to 28,200 Japanese industrial workers and 150 Japanese soldiers. Overall, an estimated 35 to 40,000 people were killed and 60,000 injured. That's so many fucking people, man. Like in the in the midst of both of those, you know what I mean? Like not, you've got Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Imagine, I mean, just imagine the imagine the uh, the numbers if it was in a place like New York. That's what I'm saying. LA. It's amazing it hasn't happened since then. Well, thank God it has. Well, yeah, because everyone saw that and they're like, we don't want any part of that. Yeah, shit. that's too much devastation, man. That's insane. So, Gros expected to have another atomic bomb ready for use on uh, August nineteenth, with three more in September and a further three they in October. Ready. They were ready to fucking obliterate the island. Yeah, they dude. were ready to just destroy Japan at all costs. So, two more Fat Man assemblies, which is the big one that went off that was twenty yeah. tons, twenty kilotons, yeah. whatever. Uh, they were readied and scheduled to leave Kirtland Field for uh, Tinian on uh, the 11th and 14th of August. At Los Alamos, technicians worked 24 hours straight to cast another plutonium core. Although cast, it still needed to be pressed and coated, which would take until uh, August 16th. It could therefore have been ready for uh, use on August 19th. On August 10th, Truman secretly requested that additional atomic bombs not be dropped on Japan without his express authority. Because he was like... Okay, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't know if we should have done yeah, that. He's sitting there. He's sitting there in the Oval Office, going, Ooh, "Oh shit! <laughs> oh man, I'm so I'm, I'm sorry about that." So Grove suspended the third core shipment on his own authority on uh, August 13th. On August 11th, Groves phoned Warren with orders to organize a survey team to report on the damage and radioactivity at Hiroshima and Nagasaki. A party equipped with portable Geiger counters arrived at Hiroshima. Can you imagine showing up there after like, you do that? It's just like, uh, yeah, what's it look like? Um, fucked up. <laughs> it's well, fucked up. So take it? your ashtray, dump it on your table, and look at it real close. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. That it's, it's fucked up. That's what it looks like. So, um, this, so they went in there, and uh, it was all headed by Farrell and Warren with Japanese Rear Admiral Masao Suzuki, who acted as a translator. They remained in Hiroshima. Hiroshima, damn it. Until um, September 14th, and then surveyed Nagasaki from the 19th of September to October 8th. This and other scientific missions to Japan would provide valuable scientific and historical data. The necessity of the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki became a subject of controversy among historians. Some question whether an atomic diplomacy... Thank you. Thank you. ...would not have attained the same goals and disputed whether the bombings or the Soviet declaration of war on Japan was decisive. The Frank Report was the most notable effort pushing for a demonstration, but was turned down by the Interim Committee's scientific panel, which is hilarious to me. The Zillard petition, drafted in uh, July 1945 and signed by dozens of scientists working on the Manhattan Project, was a late attempt at warning President Harry S. Truman about his responsibility in using such weapons. That's fucked up, dude. Yeah. So these guys, are they, they, they knew they knew what the hell was going to happen. Well, dude, after that... So after the first test, they were probably like, maybe we shouldn't do this. Like, this is a fucking problem. Like, this is going to be bad. Well, I, I honestly think it was more. I think they saw this. And like they said, in the, 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 you know, uh, what's his name? Um, the one we were just listening to. Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. He was like, dude, we've become death. Well, like, yeah. We can't. We are destroyers now. We can literally. But then what happens is. Is that we are doing this. And then somebody else is going to do this. Exactly. And they, exactly. they had the forethought and the foreshadowing of the, like, this is going to be fucking bad, you know? So, go ahead. No, go, you're good. Okay. So many of the people who worked on the project without ever, ever knowing what they were doing were saddened and stunned 
uh, at what they had helped to create. And uh, imagine that feeling, you know, honestly, knowing that you were a part of something that, you know, just something that just could destroy and just kill so many people. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, God, I couldn't even imagine. So after the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, a number of Manhattan Project physicists founded the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists, which began as an emergency action undertaken by scientists who saw urgent need for an immediate educational program about atomic weapons. In the face of the destructiveness of the new weapons and in anticipation of the nuclear arms race, several project members, including Bohr, Bush, and Conant, expressed the review or the view that it was necessary to reach agreement and international control of nuclear research and atomic weapons. The Baruch Plan in, unveiled in a speech to the newly formed United Nations Atomic Energy Commission in uh, June of 1946 proposed the establishment of an international atomic Deve- uh, development authority, but was not adopted. Following a domestic debate over the permanent management of the nuclear program, the United States Atomic Energy Commission was created by the Atomic Energy Act of 1946 to take over the functions and assets of the Manhattan Project. It established civilian control over atomic development and separated the development, production, and control of atomic weapons from the military. Military aspects were taken over by the Armed Forces, uh, the Armed Forces Special Weapons Project. Thank you. Now, although the Manhattan Project ceased to exist on December 31st, 1946, the Manhattan District was not abolished until August 15th of 1947. So, in other words, it stayed open for a very long time just in case they wanted to make more bombs. Dude, they, they, so I was looking at that. I'm like, <clears throat> I know they tested way more than just that one. Oh, yeah. Uh, There's tons of videos they, on the tests. So, they, the last test that I could find was in the fucking 90s. They did a, a nuclear test sometime in the 90s was the last one. Did you ever see the one in the ocean? Yeah. That was really cool. Like, also, also the thing that you see the boat, the water. Oh yeah. yeah. The thing that's crazy to me is that they only tested one before yeah. they were like, "Yeah, fuck it, let's do it." It it did its job. You know what I mean? That's what they wanted. So listen, just imagine if like the fucking pilot taking off had a stroke or some shit, like some crazy shit happened. Or anything. There's so, so many things. No dive into the military base or some shit. Horrible weather. Horrible yeah, weather could have like stopped the entire thing from happening. Or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So listen, we understand that this was a like my brain and literally is seeping out through my ears. I mean, not literally, but if, you know, it, it, it feels like it. I see it. Do you see, I see it? it? Do you see yep, it? There it is. It's yep. small, so it wouldn't take much. <laughs> so we know this is a lot of information. So in saying that, I think we got to break this up a little bit, and I'm pretty sure that we have something for this week's. W-T-F. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for our news segment, W-T-F. Or as I like to say, what the f***? Okay. So, (laughs) I posted a little teaser to this, by the way. If you haven't caught it in the news, um, you know, we all grew up watching the Looney Tunes, the cartoon, right? Bugs Bunny, Elmer Fudd, all those guys, right? Yeah, for sure. Well, in this day and age that we live in, it has now become offensive. So apparently they're going back and they're going to take out or edit or delete. That's the that's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing all actually, the episodes. Yeah, they're going to go where and- Elmer Fudd has a rifle and he's hunting the rabbit. Where Yosemite Sam has guns. Where Pepe Le Pew is offensively trying to... Uh, 
Well, let's be honest. To Pepe, be fair, Pepe Le Pew, he's, he's, he's a, a rapey. He's a rapist. He's rapey. Right. He's super rapey. And uh, so I was, I was, I did some digging around. I'm like, you know what? I'm like, this is another thing like we talked about before where, yeah, you get it. But it's like history is history. Leave it in the past. Leave it. Like, I don't who fucking cares? get it. I think it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's like we're Truth. censoring. We're, we're pacifying everything anymore. So anyways, I did some digging online and I actually found a news interview where they interviewed all the characters. Oh, really? And like what they thought about it. Okay. I thought it was oh. really cool. So I'm going to share that with you guys. Awesome. Here. How are we doing tonight, America? I'm Chaz McChazerson, and right now I'm here interviewing the one and only Elmer Fudd from the Looney Tunes. Elmer, how are you doing this evening? I spell wabbit. So from what I understand is that uh, all guns and weapons have essentially been banned from all of your shows. Is that correct? Get the wabbit. And this is a difficult thing for you to adapt to, if I'm not mistaken, correct? I'll get you, you wabbit. Do you feel that all of the shows in the past have been extremely violent and uh, perhaps... Uh, planted seeds in children's heads to become violent when older or even at a young age? Wabbit! Well, there you have it, folks. When we come back, we'll be talking to Yosemite Sam. Stay tuned. Welcome back, folks. And I'm here with Yosemite Sam from the Looney Tunes on a recent development that they have removed and taken away all weapons and guns out of the TV show now. Uh, Yosemite, uh, how do you feel about this? What the darn nations I get them! I get them! And do you feel uh, as if the previous shows and cartoons have molded or shaped a violent image? In America's youth. I shoot him! I shoot him all! I get him! I get him! I shoot him! I get him! Do you feel that your uh, craft in acting is going to be significantly different now that you will not be able to have uh, weapons and and props such as violent things in your show ongoing? I get him! I shoot him! Okay, so there you have it, folks. Uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to interview Pepe Le Pew. Stay tuned. All right, we're back with Pepe Le Pew now. Uh, so there have been some dramatic changes in your show, The Looney Tunes. And uh, it seems that your character arc is completely changing your backline and your story. What do you think, uh, how, or how rather do you think the children will adapt to you now, being that you're not an aggressive uh, towards females on the show? Do you find it a little overboard with your storyline and, and the way that you... You not only chase down and the dramatic lengths you go to to uh, essentially uh, capture these females on the TV show. Come here. 
<laughs> oh yeah! Oh yeah! Okay, so there you have it, folks. Uh, stick around. When we get back from the break, we'll be interviewing Speedy Gonzalez. And welcome back. Uh, right now, we're sitting down with Speedy Gonzalez from the TV show The Looney Tunes. Um, you know, it's kind of a stretch, in my opinion, frankly, that they are now offended. Children, that is, uh, and parents alike, are offended that they believe that you are a crack addict and maybe a little bit of meth. I don't understand what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So your whole character arc was was uh, you were you're a mouse and you're built on speed and you like to uh, you know run around and dash around. How do you think the effect of drugs came into play? And do you think going forward with your new character change um, will it be hard to adapt to that? Okay. All right, folks, uh, stick around. When we come back from the break, we'll actually have a roundtable with everybody all together, and we'll do our final thought. Stay tuned. Welcome back. And before we leave you guys tonight, we're actually going to give these guys a chance to preview and show you their new characters. And uh, I think this is great. This is going to be groundbreaking debut right here. So, uh, with no further ado, uh, guys, go ahead and uh, take it away. Boy, I'm Elmo Ford, and I, I wanna, I wanna be friends with the rabbit. Uh, I'll be best friends from from here on out. Me and the rabbit will will share a cupcake with the rabbit. I'm Yosemite Sam, and uh, I, I, like. I, I got balloons. I carry balloons now, and y- you better watch out, partner. Or I'll give you balloon and a smile. <laughs> I bet they up you. <laughs> I'm just gonna stay in my apartment and not come out. Yepa, yepa, I'm a speedy Gonzalez, and uh, I no longer go to electric speed sound, so now I will go ahead and walk with you. If you want to walk around the block, we can walk around. I just, I I can't stop itching, and uh, my nose, my, my nose is uh, sniffy, but I will walk with you. I, I think I have a fever. I do not feel well. Wow, guys, that's a powerful performance, and we can't wait to see the new episodes. So there you guys have it. I'm Chaz McChazerson, and this is the new Looney Tunes. So a lot different than what we're used to, huh? Yeah, that seems a little bit strange to me. So, so... So Peppy is uh he's 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 kicking the habit. I think he's just gonna lock himself in the apartment, and never come out. Yeah, I think he just yeah. he can't he can't kick it, so yeah, he just yeah. gave up. So he's just gonna he's stay not. home. <laughs> yeah. And and poor Speedy. Man, I feel bad for Speedy. 
Seems slow now, huh? Yeah. That's yeah. what happens. What, 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 what happens? Gonna, is he so he's essentially turning into his slow cousin? Remember that slow, like, <laughs> My name. <laughs> what is his name? I can't remember his name. I don't oh man, I can't remember the, the, the slow guy, his cousin's name. Oh my god. Anyway. And Yosemite got some balloons. Yeah, at so. least he at least he has that now. Yeah, he made and, people smile. And Elmer's gonna become friends. Yeah, he's gonna be friends with the rabbit. With the rabbit. Kill so. the rabbit. Kill the rabbit. Now it's have fun with the wabbit, right? Cupcakes. Cupcakes with the rabbit. So good job, liberal millennials. And yes. uh, thank Thanks. you for... It's, it's his cousin. Sorry. It's Slowpoke Rodriguez. Slow, <laughs> yeah. Slowpoke Rodriguez. That's hilarious. Yeah. Thanks, uh, millennials, for ruining something else. I can't stop itching my skin <laughs> and my nose. Speedy Speedy was on meth and Slowpoke's a pothead. There you go. I am go- going to make sure that I, I have a 12-year-old daughter. She's about to be 13. She's and all my kids have watched all of those growing up. But I'm going to make sure the next time she's well, over, we're going to have a marathon. going to kill people, so. Yeah, we're going to. Yeah. Hope you feel good about <laughs> is that. What that. It is? is that is that what happens? Yeah. You made poor choices. Yeah, well, you know, that's what happens. Speaking of poor choices. <laughs> wow. Wow. I'm pretty sure Moody just shit his britches over there. <laughs> it's, it's kind of, I don't know, like, it's... <laughs> I wanted to go off on it because it's it's it's, it's kind of sad in a it's way. Stu- it's, it's dumb. Stupid. It's like dumb. They're, just, they're just changing everything. Everything from history is being changed. Yes, as, as we dumb. get older. So whatever. Yeah. I mean, at least we remember it in its glory and how it was. Absolutely. And, get off you know, my lawn. Yeah. <laughs> my four year old said that yesterday. By the way, that's Good. amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. All right. So closing thoughts on the Manhattan Project, Jeff. I can pretty much already tell you. Can I tell you what I think your closing thoughts are? Go for it. You ready? Yeah. What? Is that, is, that, is, that, is that pretty close? Huh? Uh, try again. Um, what? Actually, I was thinking. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a lot of information, folks. And uh, you passengers, listen, uh, it, it, it's a really pivotal moment in our history. And, you know, as everything's being erased, um, that is one of those moments that it, it literally changed the face of everything. Yeah. Everything changed from that point on. We found out we could destroy everything. Right. And, you know, before that, you know, we, we had a thoughts and ideas and you had people that wanted to be dictators and rule the world and everything else. But after uh, that's that's it. And the guy with the mustache, <laughs> he says, I'm going to find a way to use this. So a lot of information. Hopefully you guys weren't too bored. And hopefully, you know what? Like I said, if you got lost or if I screwed up, you should have taken a drink. So it's on you. If you're not drunk at this moment right now, and I'm sorry. So they're probably listening to this part hungover the next day. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. So listen, closing thoughts on this. What do you guys think of the Manhattan Project? Honestly. It's it's the scope blew my mind. Like the the amount of resources and money that were put towards it. Absolutely. Is Here's is crazy. Thing. And the during when it happened too. That's twenty eight billion dollars in today's money. That's that's what I was thinking. So here's the thing. That's a lot of fucking. Money. If something that big happened back then, could you imagine what's going on behind closed doors now? Sure, absolutely. I mean, on a fucking larger, larger yeah. scale, they probably have like a planet destroyer, <laughs> like that we don't know about. You know, I, I wouldn't doubt it, and I'm pretty sure Elon Musk is behind the helm on that one. Yes, yeah, that's, that's, probably, that's why he's trying to go to Mars because yeah. he knows what's up. Yeah, absolutely. He's going to go to Mars and fucking nuke the planet, dude. And then turn it to Palpatine. <laughs> I so just listen. think, like, go I, like, going through all the stuff, it was uh, a lot of the stuff you look at, like, if you just go in and look for, uh, <clears throat> like, a quick article on it or whatever, it, a lot of it's, like, I don't want to call it dumbed down, but it's most of the stuff I found was, like, a seven to eight minute read. You know what I mean? So it was, like, 
a, a pretty small article about it with all the basics. They and just kind of like compressed everything. It's yeah, a, and then you actually like get into the logistics, the numbers, the people behind it, and all that. Like when you actually get into it more, and, and it's it's, and it's incredible. They like the, they the put undertaking to, was incredible. They put together some of the most intelligent people ever. Yeah, and I mean, we got people from other countries. Like we like we didn't get into it, <laughs> but we actually went over and took we took scientists from other countries yeah like pillowcase over the head and like you're coming to work night. for us now and we, that we was, did that a lot of that was a little bit later though yeah well oh so it wasn't yeah. actually a part of that whole thing not really that you know of moody that's true perhaps it was uh you know it could be though perhaps it was me because that mustache. was because that was after you know after the war after they stopped everybody they fucking went over there and god damn it it's in my eye it's me i'm the apple of your eye <laughs> so yeah listen it's been a crazy ride we want to thank you guys so much for listening and you know we really do hope and joy you enjoyed our take on the manhattan project it was very crazy i have a question sure what is next week oh boy well we're gonna change things up a little bit for next week oh in fact i think next week we're gonna dive into the slender man which is part of that whole... Is that uh, Randy Savage? We're, no, going, we're going back to creepy. It's oh, that, that's Slim Jim, man. It's the scary uh, spaghetti. That is what it's called, right? Isn't that what it is? Scary yes, spaghetti. Yes, the... the, the <laughs> I was trying to think of more pastas. I don't know. <laughs> it's the spooky rigatoni. <laughs> I think they call it creepy the, pasta. I believe right? it was the frightening farfalla. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that, that's good yeah. one. That is good. Or the frightening choo-choo wheels. Yeah, there you go. The wagon wheels. So we're going to get creepy on it just because, you know, we did this one and then, you know, we've can, been kind of doing some different stuff. We're going to get back to creepy and we're going to talk about the Slender Man and all the craziness that goes on with that whole fucking thing. And listen, don't forget to head on over to the the Midnight Train Podcast dot com and sign up for the midnight bonus train to access all kinds of awesome tidbits you won't get anywhere else. Tidbits was the guy that flew the plane, remember? <laughs> that wasn't tidbits. That's the one was thing it? he fucking remembered. <laughs> <the whole>. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Tibbets. Tibbets. Pilot Tibbets. It's time to fly. Not, not Tibbets. Fucking Tibbets. It was Tibbets. 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 Wait, wait. What? Was it Timbits? Which are the little donut holes from Tim Hortons. Oh, they call them Timbits. I don't know. Oh, my God. My brain hurts donut so holes? much right now. It hurts you know what so donut much. holes are? Yeah. Yeah, yeah those they are call good. them at Tim Hortons. They call them Timbits. Timbits? Yeah. Tibbets. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> while you're there, Chancellor Tidbits. <laughs> why? Why you're there? I am the Supreme Chancellor Tits. While you're at our website, please stop over, grab some merchandise, man. Because our merchandise, we actually have some new stuff up there, which is awesome. And we will donate some 10%. new shirts. Right? Yeah, new shirts. The craziness one, it, I love that new one that I, that we put together. It's got our faces on it and all kinds of crazy. So shit here's going the thing, guys. So wait, new Bar- shirt. Could, we've stopped putting the stuff on our old T-shirts, and Say we what? we actually bought new T-shirts instead of just recycling old T-shirts. No, we saying? no, not at all. No, there are T-shirts. We send them out to get printed on. Right, it's our old T-shirts that's, that we've that's had. That's what for, I'm saying. Yeah, but he right. said we got new shirts. New shirt designs. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, it's the same stinky shirt. So, okay. Yeah. Right. But here's the thing. So, like, everything is slowly. How fucked, fucked yeah. up with that dude? We, did that. <laughs> we don't, we don't actually with, do that, folks. What's wrong with this shirt? Uh, John wore it for three days before <laughs> yeah. we printed it. For Why you. does it smell? This one smells like pine. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, everything is slowly reopening, and you're going to want to be, like, hot when you go out, you know, hunting. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're going out hunting. You know what I mean? mean? Like peppy hunting. Yeah. yeah. Well, Riley can't hunt anymore because 
you know riley is a he does have a girlfriend now oh man so riley if you're listening buddy good luck my friend so if you're going to be pissed off that we brought that up no no why he's he's happy he's good if you were ladies out there upset though if you were in riley's position prior you would want something you would wear wear. this shirt correct you would go to your establishment right and as soon as you walk in everybody everybody in the place would be like oh it's gonna be who are you What's your phone number? Absolutely, one hundred percent. That's what happens. It's made with one hundred and ten percent pheromones. So you're going to want this shirt. It is. These I don't shirts. know if you guys knew that or not, but that they are. They're made with one hundred and ten percent pheromones. And Moody comes with beard here, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It comes with its own beard. Yeah, actually, <laughs> that would that would be fucking amazing. <laughs> Maybe that'll be another shirt. So listen, like uh, literally again, it's on there. You can feel it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Could, you know what? That would be funny. Like the collar, like you draw a fake beard, so it looks like the person has a beard. I mean, we can do that. We that do, would be pretty we cool. can do whatever we want but while you're there pick up pick up the merchandise and we will donate 10 percent of every sale to the national association on mental illness you know and just because mental illness is not a joke and we want to help out as much as we possibly can now listen we are going to be dropping our patreon coming up soon and again oh my god wrong button hi <laughs> So, you guys, <laughs> Jesus Christ, everyone keeps asking how they can keep the steam in our engines, and the best thing you guys can do is like, subscribe, and rate us on your favorite podcast platform, and most importantly, share the Midnight Train podcast to everyone, because word of mouth is how we're going to get more passengers on this train and continue to bring you weekly episodes. We can't thank you guys enough. Like I said, the Patreon's going to be dropping soon. It's going to be great. And like I said, next week, we're diving into the Slender Man. It should be fun. I'm excited about that one, to be honest with you. Yes. So Moody's in charge of the buttons now, and I love it. So listen, a great big old Midnight Train shout out to Bill, Kevin, Katie, Michaela, Tommy, Jessica, and Christina Skelton. By the way, I will be making an appearance on their podcast next week. So make sure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Make sure you guys are checking their podcast out because uh, I'm actually going to be on there. And I think that'd be kind of fun to do, you know, because they're just great people and it'll be nice. It's to, like a crossover. It's a crossover. That's right. It's a crossover. Remember time. that back in the TV days when they'd have crossovers? Did the crossovers. But now they can't because Yosemite's got balloons. <laughs> also, big shout outs to Riley, Danny, Stormy, Eva, Rob at Funbox Podcast. Make sure you check them out. Melissa, Chad, Wayne, Hager, Sean, Chris, Chainsaw, Jigsaw, Todd, Chef Kevin, Katie, uh, the other Katie, Samantha, and Davey, our Mexican Vato. And of course, rest easy, Big Tony. We miss you, motherfucker. And don't you know. forget Tibbets. And Tibbets. And on behalf of everyone here in this chaotic just insane atomic edition of the midnight train podcast jeff moody and myself and chancellor and the guy with the mustache we say choo choo motherfuckers wow